space, the final frontier. And who better to inhabit it than rogues, smugglers, and bounty hunters? In space, there's no such thing as West, but it sure as hell gets wild. We're doing space westerns. Yay! Oh, Second time's a charm. I know, it only took two tries this time. I'm pretty proud. I'm very proud of you. That was That's the first time impressive. I heard that. Thank you. Yeah, that was a good one. Is it really, though? Uh, I think it's funnier if I say yes. <laughs> Boy. Hey everybody, welcome to 321 Bringe. Bringe? Alright. One day I'll get our title right. Uh, this week, we're doing Space Westerns. Yes, that means we're talking about a show that ended about a week ago and was uh, very, very popular. But first, let me introduce you to my co-host, Faison. Yep. And the voice actor for Baby Grogu himself, Tyler. Baby Grogu? Yeah, okay. Baby Grogu. Oh. <laughs> Little baby Grogu. Look at him. He looks, you know, I, I could see Tyler in like, if we, if we needed to do like a live action, middle-aged baby Yoda, I well, could see us painting Tyler green. Would he be a baby then? Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> middle-aged baby Yoda. <laughs> Look, if I start calling him adult Grogu, it's going to get fucking weird. It's going to get very strange. <laughs> Tyler could play an adult Grogu. That's my that's my fan casting for the next uh, Star Wars movie. Aren't you guys like the same height? <laughs> I mean, that wasn't meant to be a short joke. I just think Tyler has Baby Yoda energy. Aren't I the okay. same height as you, Chris? Huh? Aren't I like the same height as you? I again, this wasn't wasn't a short joke. No, 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 no. I'm that's I'm, I'm trying to. I'm five ten ish. I don't know what that means though for you. You say five ten ish? I don't actually know. I haven't checked my height in a very long time. I do not look up to you. That's rude, I hope pe- I hope people wouldn't look up to Chris. <laughs> That's a little bit rude, though. Honestly, Tyler, I didn't really, I didn't really need that. Hey, you said no one would cry at my funeral, so at least. Um, <laughs> man, this is oh, um. So the Mandalorian. If you guys don't know mm-hmm. what we're talking about, listen to our past episodes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, do that. <laughs> Definitely listen to our past episodes. That sounds like a plan. Um. So yeah, the first show we're talking about the Mandalorian. You guys have literally all heard about it because it's been talked about pretty much nonstop for the past eight weeks and a half. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who uh, just got woke out of a coma, well, <clears throat> for those of you who just woke up out of a coma and or maybe live under a rock or live under a rock and decided that the first thing you want to do with internet access is watch us for some reason. Um, thank you. Thank you. That's a great start. But yeah, The Mandalorian is a set in the Star Wars universe. Uh, I'm not going to explain that. And it is basically follows the adventures of bounty hunter Jin Din Jaren. Uh, or Mando. The, or the Mando. Yeah, or Mando. We'll just call him Mando. And he, as he goes around the galaxy, collecting bounties and transporting a little green baby Yoda uh, to try and find his home. Yep. That's it. That's, it. that's the show. That's it's about nice. it. Yeah. It's fun. It's enjoyable. I like it. Yeah. First season is a lot more procedural than I yeah. would uh, have liked. But as the story progresses with uh, Mando and uh, what we call Baby Yoda, but now we know as a... Grogu. Yeah. Once that story actually gets going in the back half of the first season and throughout the second, it gets really great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I agree. Like, season one, very episode of the week. You know, it's just like every episode is just a new job, new little thing for, for Mando to do. Yeah, which isn't that like surprising for like a Western film, like a show? Yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot from old Western shows where it is a bounty of the week or like whatever's going on that week. I'd say like all three of the Space Westerns we're talking about kind of have that structure. 
Yeah, but I think the biggest thing with Mando is that it has an or- overarching storyline. So feel like the first season felt a little weird pacing wise with the like adventure of the week because there was this main storyline. I can agree with that. Yeah. I think episode two was like the worst of it where it's the the egg where he fights the oh yeah 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 the rhinox i think it's called yeah like that episode technically comes back because that becomes a signet but like damn if it doesn't feel like you could have cut that episode out yeah yeah i think that's probably like the episode that affects the plot the least that i can think of it wouldn't have been that bad pacing wise if each episode it's mostly prominent in the first four because like the back half of that season really picks it up yeah but it's in those four episodes, you get the one you just said in episode two. You get, at the time, it's kind of an adventure of the week. The uh, heist episode with Bill Burr. Yeah, that one comes back. Yeah. I do think we should actually say one thing. I think this is one of the first weeks where I feel like this is worth mentioning. Uh, spoiler warning. We will be spoiling all three of the shows involved here. I mean, all three of these actually have things worth way. spoiling. Yeah, that's true. But I'd hope that like people would have already watched these. Yeah, I feel like what at Cowboy least Man- is, Mando, at least Mando, at least Mando, Cowboy Bebop. I'm giving mostly the warning for because that is a show that I, I, we all really enjoyed. That is true, and it, that that was a show that I hadn't watched before yeah. this. It's a little more niche compared to, to Mando. yeah. So that's one that like if you haven't seen that, you know, it, it it's 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 the last one we're gonna talk about. Just be wary. That show is worth watching with no spoilers going into it. It's good. Yeah. So mostly throwing that out there, but just you know, warning for you all. We are gonna be spoiling everything. That's pretty much what we do here. Um, but yeah, back to what Tyler was saying. The Bilber episode at first definitely feels kind of fillery. It's a good episode, though. Yeah, it's fun, it's a fun episode. I actually really like it. Yeah, uh, I'm a fucking Star Wars nerd. I think I've mentioned that on this podcast once or twice. Maybe. And just getting to see like a New Republic prison transport and like New Republic prison droids. Yeah, that was fucking crazy to me. Like seeing like, like seeing like they they repurpose the point the parts of like K2SO droids or K the whole K2 series. I think it's like holy shit. Which one? Oh, I gotta, uh, look. I gotta one. look. Which ones? Uh, Alan Tudyk's character in Rogue One. Okay. It looks like they repurposed like part of the, yeah. the back and the arm chassis stuff. So it's like. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I just love that. Like that little type of stuff. Just oh, I love it. I love little Star Wars details like that. Yeah. It does help watching Mando if you are uh, as much of a Star Wars nerd as like Chris. I yeah. mean that that's more into like season two though. I think. It, I think it, it does. I think it works with all of like I think Star Wars as a I franchise, guess the end of season one actually kind of fits that. Yeah. I think Star Wars as a franchise it rewards how much you've put into it. Like even the movies, like the prequel trilogy, is a mess. If mm-hmm. you watch Clone Wars, the prequel trilogy gets a lot better. The original trilogy it's good, but like if you read some books and comics and shit, shit just gets expanded and gets really interesting. Vader yeah. gets more interesting the more you you consume of his character. The sequel trilogy is having pretty much the same thing where like as you consume more content related to it, it all kind of gets elevated. I think the thing is, right, the Star Wars universe is so, like, massive. It's fucking huge. It's impossible to fit it into even, like, a movie series. Yeah. Yeah. You pretty much just, they can pretty much keep expanding it. Like, I mean, I know, Faison, you were a big fan of the old Tour games. Yeah. Those take place 10,000 years. Yeah, literally 10,000 <laughs> years before yeah. current Star Wars. I, I don't know the plot of KOTOR 2, but I do know the plot of KOTOR 1, and that's one of the best stories in Star Wars canons or le- canon. And or as, as I've told you before, K- the plot of KOTOR 2 is better than the plot of KOTOR 1. I really got to play it. I got to take the time. I'm yeah. meaning to. That's like my biggest thing that I've skipped on. 
And I'm just here hanging out in the corner. Tyler's just here. Tyler, by far, yeah, Tyler, this is our time. <laughs> <laughs> this is Star Wars, Star Wars week. This is for us. Yeah, Tyler definitely has seen the least. He's seen part of Clone Wars. I've seen um, the majority of my Star Wars knowledge comes from the movies. Yeah, or what I've uh, messaged him on Twitter. Just ranting and then me saying, "Oh, interesting." Yeah, I I've watched all the, obviously all the movies. Um, yeah, I've watched all the shows, even the ones that were definitely not meant for my age category. Um, I read. <laughs> I meant the kid ones. The kid ones. <laughs> I realized that that sound as I was saying it. I mean the kids' shows. Yeah. Like Star Wars Resistance is very much a kids' show. I still How watched much it. Is your browser history, uh, Star Wars, Chris. Um, and I've read uh, all the comics actually for canon right now, and uh, I've made my way through a good chunk of the books, but not all of them. That's where I'm yeah. Kind of, that's where I'm slacking because I I normally listen to audiobooks and I'm just behind on that. But like I said, like Star Wars is a franchise that it, it the more you put into it, the more you get out. And I think kind of like we were saying in the tail end of season one, you see that because you get the dark yeah. saber, uh, the villain, well, the main villain of the season, Moff Gideon, he's an ex-imperial, s- seemingly an ISB officer, I think they said. And he shows up at the end of the season and he has the dark saber, which is like an important Mandalorian relic. That gets yeah, it, it's like the everything. first like lightsaber kind of. Uh, yeah, lightsaber by the first Mandalorian Jedi. Yeah, like it was the first Mandalorian Jedi. I think it was Tar Vizsla. He created that lightsaber and he was kind of yeah, like, it also like a thousand years before. Yeah, several thousand. I think actually like even before when Kotor would take place, because it would be the Mandalorian Jedi. No, I think it was like from what I remember, it was like ten nineteen. Let me take a look. Because I So would think so that... the 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 Jedi Mandalorian Wars took place right before Kotor. Let me see. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So that's what I was thinking before Kotor. So I was thinking it might because I because uh, Revan led like the Crusades. Yeah. Huh. And see, okay, like, so it would have been it would have been ten uh, a thousand years before. So that's nine thousand years after that, unless they're moving the history up, which they could be to try and condense it a little bit. Yeah. Just say Kotor took place a thousand years ago instead of ten thousand. I think that's fine. If they are, we don't know. There's stuff like that. Like you guys have all this history of like that's just from. What the game, right? Um, well, the Kotor stuff's from the game, but the lore of the dark is actually from one episode of Star Wars Rebels. Which even, like, you see that one episode, you unlock a whole other chapter of this whole world. It's crazy. No, it is, and like, the show just keeps doing that. Where it be- it's like, I think this is going to be just the way it is going forward. Everything matters. Yeah, which makes sense because, like, I feel like they've done it in such a way where it caters to the diehard Star Wars fans. But at the same time, the like somebody that, who has no idea about Star Wars will enjoy it, yeah, and will will like understand that like the dark saber, right? Like He's they important. don't know the history behind it, but they know that it's an important weapon. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I didn't see. I only saw the movies, and I still watched uh, both seasons. For most part, I got everything. I saw a part of Clone Wars, so I knew how important some of the characters that showed up in season two were. Yeah. I just, I just didn't get the hype. I, I like I understood the hype. I wasn't as hyped about seeing some of the things as I would have been if I saw everything. I mean, yeah, like one of the characters I was probably most hyped to end up seeing um, was in the season two premiere. And it was um, Cobb Vanth, a character. Who? 
yeah, no, that's fair. Because not only he's not from the shows, he's not from the comics, he's from the books. And he's not actually a main character in the books. He just takes place in like the interlude chapter. Yeah, he's just there. The story. Yeah, like, Chris, like uh, came back. <laughs> yeah, pretty. No, it, it was that. Because like there's a series of books, the Aftermath trilogy. It talks about like after the Empire fell at Endor. And it talks about like the war that the, the New Republic basically wages against the Empire. And then in between every couple of chapters, you get a chapter that takes place somewhere around the galaxy. So we would get like a couple of, we got like four chapters about this guy called Cobb Vanth living mm-hmm. out in Moss <laughs> Pelsa, fucking like with a little baby Jabba the Hutt that he's going to raise in order to <laughs> fucking like control the area. <laughs> we don't see the baby Jabba the Hutt, unfortunately, but that is his story. And I was so excited to fucking see that. Played by Timothy Oliphant, who was really fun. He's, he's great in, in anything. Yeah. I've only seen him in um, San Clarita Diet. I mean, I Which, by it. the way, it was a surprisingly good show. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I enjoyed that more than I expected to. Yeah, we can probably put that in something. Yeah, we could do a, a fun zombies week. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like, again, Star Wars, it just, it, it feeds your investment back to you. And like, yeah. especially season two, we start getting some big fucking cameos. Yeah, especially season two. I think we could probably just hit them in order. So we can start with Bo-Katan. Yeah, by the way, I had no idea who the fuck she was. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys a little Star Wars fucking schooling. But, but I, I did look it up, and I, I understood. Okay, I'm going to give Tyler a little Star Wars fucking schooling here. I mean, same thing. I understood her in points. I mean, like, yeah, okay. But, like, like, did you know that her sister definitely fucked Obi-Wan Kenobi? I mean, of course not. Did you oh, know that her that's... sister died by the Darksaber? <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for heart... Clone Wars now, too, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, you had not seen that yet. I'm probably gonna forget. Like I'm probably okay. gonna know, but I'm you not gonna say her name. So I'm not gonna be looking out for like, oh, it's gonna happen. I'm not like I like you could have told me, and it's not gonna. It, it was a heart wrenching scene. It was actually very painful. It was very sad. Um, and see, like again, I understood the points in the show. I was like, oh, these characters are probably big. I heard buzz about them. I see them. I treated them as just like, oh, they're new characters in yeah. this world. Obviously, they have their own backstory. I just wasn't as excited to be like, oh, fuck yeah. I mean, I was excited for the other cameo because I just, I seen half a clone. Yeah, there, there's two of them. Well, yeah, actually, there's three cameos in here that you would be excited for specifically. Um, I do want to say, like, I had my, me and my father, we watched all of Clone Wars, right? Uh, going, uh, like, after Mandalorian season one. And we just barely finished all of Rebels getting into this. So he had actually had maximum possible canon understanding of most things that happened in this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that is truly, I feel, the way to experience Star Wars is just like knowing it, it sounds weird, but I really think that like once you know as much as you can about this thing, like suddenly every little detail sounds great. Like okay. there's um you see, I think it's like a you see a ship from Star Wars Rebels in like one frame of a scene from the episode the the, the finale actually, like when um when they land their ship and they're gonna talk to, to Bo Katan to get her to help like on the heist or whatever to save the yeah. Ship you see like a ship in the background and it's like, oh shit, that's fucking Tam Bangor's star hopper there in the background. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's so, like, wow, that's awesome. Like, no one in their right mind would ever fucking realize that. I have a yeah. question. Does this take place before Rebels or no, after? Well after. Well after. well after. Okay. It takes place, well, okay, so Rebels has an epilogue after the show ends mm-hmm. and the epilogue takes place an unknown amount of time after the show ends okay so technically the epilogue could take place after the mandalorian because i did have some questions about the dark saber from rebels a- 
and uh, Mando, but I guess we shouldn't get into it. I feel like it's not big... too much. You don't don't get me yeah. to rant too heavily on Star Wars because I could make entire. No, I, I know you could. <laughs> I know you could. I'm holding back but so much. It is a question I have, and that I think I'll ask oh, you later. Yeah, I think well, we'll get to it. it. Well, it's a Bo-Katan question. Okay. Well, we're on Bo-Katan right now. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was bringing it up. Fair point. I just um, didn't know if we want to get into this right now. Get into it, please. Give me an okay, so so in Rebels, why didn't Bo-Katan take the dark saber? Uh, she did. She took the dark saber from its previous user, Sabine Wren, who had yeah. gotten it by stealing it from Darth Maul. Um, I have the because okay, so later, but d- later doesn't she season, deny it? She denies it at first, and then she takes it later. Okay. So I have a feeling that that was the fuck up. Because yeah. here, at one point, Jin actually gets his hands on the Dark Saber after defeating Moff Gideon. And he offers it to Bo-Katan, as is in the season finale. And Moff Gideon laughs and says, she can't take it because it has to be won by trial of combat. That didn't happen in Rebels. And Tom, yeah. I all know how well that works out for Pedro Pascal. <laughs> yeah, one-on-one combat works True. out so well for Overrun. Yeah. I mean, Mando. Granted... If he just didn't want a confession, he would have won. He also has a sta- a spear and a mask this time, so. and also got the ship like continually beat in the face by uh, uh by a uh, dark trooper. Yeah, so I'm like every that whole scene. I'm just watching. It's like are they just doing the fuck of us? Like is this Pedro Pascal ball? is taking back the biggest L. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So Bogotan's like, no, I can't take it from you. And I think I have the I have the feeling this isn't really canon. This is just my thought process. Mm-hmm. That the fact that she took the dark saber in Rebels peacefully and without trial by combat, I think that some of the clans probably didn't respect her, and that might yeah. be why they lost to the Empire later on anyway. Because we know that she loses that that uprising, yeah. And I think that might be the reason why, because she didn't play by the Mandalorian rules. Yeah, I've seen that theory float around, and it seems yeah. like one. That seems- was pretty much what I immediately thought when I saw it. I'm like, oh shit, okay, that makes sense. But is it not like out of her character to take it? peacefully it wouldn't it would have been i would say it would have been part of her character to take it peacefully back then yeah but she is a lot more aggressive since the mandalorian purge yeah like she's like not a villain but she's definitely you know i wouldn't call her a good person at this point in the show yeah i mean she's she's seen a lot of shit and she's a lot she's willing to beat the fuck out of whoever she has to to get what she wants yeah Uh, she's definitely a lot more on the, the stone cold badass side of things so I think that at this point, she's trying to do it by the book as much as she can to make sure she can actually rule Mandalore. Since she is the rightful heir by blood right now, but that yeah. doesn't really matter for Mandalorians. It doesn't. It's whoever it's, it's, wins. It's, yeah. it's you strong, you lead. Whoever has the mask of Mandalore, basically. Yeah, pretty much. On that note, we can probably move to what was the second, no, third biggest cameo, I'd say? Uh, Ahsoka. That was big. That was huge. That's yeah. a that's an animation only character coming. That was, but action. that was like a they hit, like Ahsoka was fits that group of people that watched Clone Wars when they were kids. Yep. Right, because I remember Ahsoka because I watched Clone Wars growing up, but I didn't watch until Bo Katan. Mm, right. Okay, I see. So, but as a kid, like on what was it Cartoon Network? Cartoon Network, they'd air Star Wars: The Clone Wars and. I remember Ahsoka. Everybody remembers Ahsoka. Yeah, that was a pretty big one. Did I mean, you... she was like that. If in reality, she is like probably the main character of that show. If I had to pick one, it would be her. Her yeah, her story is what ends the yeah. show. Because it, it you... ends with her on Malakor. I'm not Malakor. Um, on Mandalore actually. Yeah, Mandalore. Right after the Battle of Mandalore. Yeah. So like, she is the main character of the Clone Wars. You know, pretty um, 
pretty straightforwardly. And just seeing her in live action uh, is fucking crazy. I remember when the leaks happened and I was like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And then as things kind of kept leaning to like, it's going to happen. And then when Bo-Katan says, I know a Jedi Ahsoka, it's like, holy shit. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> and now she has her own show. So yeah. it's like, it does a lot of craziness with it. That's the one thing I don't like. Yeah. That they, yeah. Her up, that they hyped her up for the season. And she does play a part of it, but it's literally one episode. But granted, yeah. it's understandable because like, what it's like, who knows what the fuck she's actually been doing. It, it actually is a big question. Like, that's why I said. I know it's hard to keep everything under wraps. It was probably going to be impossible before it, but I wish they would have saved it as much as they saved the finale's cameo. I think that's harder because you had to have this chicken full makeup. Mm-hmm. You need to have Rosario Dawson fully set up for this. Whereas in the finale, you needed someone who wasn't Mark Hamill in a suit, and then you CGI to face over it. Yeah. So I think that this would have been a lot harder to keep under wraps. I think yeah, the, I also mean, the I fact that, that like, it looked yeah. that good in the first place. Ahsoka. Yeah. Ahsoka had no crazy. had no business looking that good. It's surprising. Surprise! Like, I think that that is like an episode I really liked of the season. Yeah. Was um when the Mandalorian meets her because like if you're a new a new viewer who doesn't know anything about Ahsoka, you can treat it like oh, Jedi. they found a Jedi. They found a Jedi that has you know white Ahsoka. lightsabers. Yeah, fucking your purified lightsabers. I remember there was rumors they were going to be blue for some reason, and I was like, please don't be blue. They kept the purified white. That's yeah. the way to do it. I'm very glad about that. Um, and I don't I don't mind that it's a backdoor pilot because I have all the experience with her. So it's like she's but, like at the end like, of the episode. What I feel like is that even people who like casually watch Clone Wars wouldn't mind it. Like people growing yeah. up, because like, I don't mind it. Yeah. I think it depends on like I think if you're like someone who's never seen anything and you're like, okay, this orange chick is asking for this guy called Grand Admiral Thrawn. I don't know who that is. But it's yeah. like, damn, the more context you have, like with I when she said when she was like um saying who wears your master, I'm like, okay, it could be Thrawn, but there's no way it'd be Thrawn. And, and then drawn. they, they name dropped him. And they I, name dropped him. I, when I they name dropped him, I was like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> yeah. See, they name dropped him, yelled a little bit. And it's worse because like there were actually hints throughout the episode. If you look at the bounty hunt, not the bounty hunter droids, but like the, the guard droids they have there, they actually have the signet for Thrawn's, I think it's his seventh fleet. Oh. Yeah, on their arms. Or seventh or sixth. I always forget. Like, See, they yeah, it's that like symbol. these I little details. I didn't catch that, but like if I did, yeah. holy shit. Um, but yeah, little details like that. And that's probably what the Ahsoka show is going to touch on. Grand Admiral yeah. Thrawn seemingly building a fleet because he's working with a fleet master. Um, but we can talk about the potential future for this stuff in a bit because there's a lot to talk about for Mandalorian. There's a lot to talk about season two. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Who is after uh, Ahsoka? Ah, yes. The boy. The man. I have the waited, myth. The legend. I have, I have waited six years to find out if this guy was alive six years <laughs> no like that's not a joke in the aftermath book they like Cobb Vanth finds Boba Fett's armor yeah they decide not to mention if Boba Fett's alive or not so I just waited patiently which you know it's like super surprising how big of a, a character Boba Fett became I'm so excited that's After for Boba Fett the original movies for like five minutes he literally had like five minutes of screen time he got beaten up by a blind Han Solo yeah it was not good. It was very sad. Yeah, like, they made the, him seem like really depressed, like just like a sad character. Like the, the thing is the old extended universe with um like Shadows of the Empire. Is it Shadows of the Empire? I think it's Shadows of the Empire. And like a bunch of other shit. They all like made Boba Fett a badass. 
but then the movies didn't show that. And I was like, originally there were rumored to have a Boba Fett movie by the guy who did Logan. But for some Ooh. reason it fell through. And it seems like that idea would eventually have developed into the Mandalorian and now going forward, the spin-off series, Book of Boba Fett. Um, I'm pretty fine with that, honestly. Yeah. I'm pretty okay with how things turned out. Um, because I got Boba Fett alive. I love Boba ass. Fett in the show. The, the, yeah. the, his his intro scene, like when he um when he properly comes in. Yeah, they, uh, they're taking Baby Yoda to uh, a Jedi play, a Jedi temple on Tython, to sit on a seeing stone, and to attempt to contact other Jedi. Yeah, and then Boba Fett gets there and he's like, "Listen, you know, you give me my armor, I'll help you protect the kid." And Mando's like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll give you your armor." So Boba Fett proceeds to beat the shit out of a legion of stormtroopers. Yep, and like and I mean, demolish. Them. I just love that you could see him using every piece of armor that he like, every weapon, everything he had on. Oh, so good. He was using a fucking like a fucking sand people, um, like their staffs and just yeah, smashing yeah. open like stormtrooper armor like nothing. It was so fucking cool. Like like that's what like when you picture a Mandalorian like. It's Boba Fett. Boba Fett. And it's yeah. funny because Boba Fett, like, technically is like he's on the he's it's hard to say if he's a Mandalorian or not. His yeah, that's a whole a, nother yeah, fucking his father was a foundling and he is the clone of his father. So yeah. like, he's got like, like, two I guess separated. Technically in Mandalorian culture, he's not it, it depends on which Mandalorian culture. Because if, yeah, like, if we true. follow like uh the watch, like they're called, which is Jinjar in particular, Mandalorian people. The cult. They believe yeah, yeah, the cult. They're a religious cult. They believe that as long as um as long as you follow the way, you're a Mandalorian. Yeah. So, but uh, but there is like some kind of ritual, way. right? It seems like there's like certain caveats, but it follows like the old legends Mandalorian yeah. way, where if you're a warrior, you're a Mandalorian, and if you follow the way of the Mandalore, so it's like it's very legend inspired. Yeah. Which I'm really excited to see back because uh, it was always a little bit messy when Clone Wars tried to like define Jedi not a yeah. bounty hunter. It was weird. I'm happy to see how it turned out because we got mm. badass Django. I mean, yeah. badass Boba. We got badass Boba Fett in this Played show. by Tamara Morrison crazy. as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that was like the <laughs> moment the greatest I saw part, the I think. slave one come yeah. into screen. I was oh, one of the most hype moments I had on the entire show. My second most hype moment. It was really good. Plus, we get we get really good like clone humor. Yeah. Like later on in the in the sex in the next episode, they actually rescue Bill Burr's character. Which is in a great episode. We'll touch on that in a second. But uh, when they're like, "Boba, should you go in to like to break into this imperial base?" and he's like, "Eh, they might recognize my, recognize my face." Yeah, because he's a clone. Yeah, he's a clone troop. It's mm, it's the best fucking joke in all of Star Wars. That that episode has a lot of great moments, not only for Boba and everybody, but for Bill Burr's character. <coughs> Bill Burr's character gets he has done justice. It's so funny that Bill Burr's in Star Wars. This yeah. is the guy it's, that it's spent just, years like making fun of Star Wars. Yeah, like, I like how it's also just Bill Burr. Like, truthfully, yeah, it, he's just Bill Burr. He's, he's just playing himself. He's not playing himself. He's playing. He, he's just playing himself throughout the whole show, which is yeah. kind of fucking funny. Yeah, but they like they give him PTSD, and also they name drop Operation Cinder, and Operation Cinder was introduced in the Battlefront Two campaign mode, which I've played twice. And they actually name dropped that operation as like the reason his his platoon was was killed in action, and I was like, wow, a more tiny cannon tidbits for an addict like me to consume, and b they made Bill Burr a deeply traumatized PTSD having <laughs> uh, ex-imperial sharpshooter. Yeah, 
with a that's, with a fantastic scene. That scene when he's talking to the his general or commanding officer, whatever. When he's just talking to him and detailing, it, it goes from um, oh, let's just chat, and then he slowly like you see his face slowly turn from semi sad, not satisfied, but semi okay, into just troubled and looking back at the at the horrors you've seen of everyone dying. Yeah, so good. It, it's a great scene, and actually, like, kind of a testament to Bill Burr's ability to act. Like, I would never really pitch like bill burr as like a, a good actor like i've only yeah really i would never a few things well but... he's he's done more acting recently he's in uh king of Staten out king of Staten oh, out is he i haven't seen that okay it the overall movie is okay it's like whatever mm. but he him and pete davidson are good in it okay i've really only seen him try to uh steal a gold chain from a corpse and new girl and an effing for family so that's that's pretty much the extent of my experience with bill burr I need to see Ethos for Family, and I didn't get that far on New Girl. But uh, yeah, like he was really good in this. That whole, I mean, like that episode, I expected to be a bit of like a, a like a slow one because the whole point is Baby Yoda has been kidnapped by Moff Gideon. Yep. And um, now they have to go get Baby Yoda. So like he gets Bill Burr to sneak into this place to get the information they need. And I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of like meh, whatever, build up for the finale. Uh, but it was actually good. It was actually a pretty good episode. One one question. I like how he they they after his job is done, they leave. They let him go. They let Bill Burr's character go. Yeah, they're, they're just like let him on the planet that he was originally on. Like the, the planet that he just blew up our entire base. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, you can go. It's like, where was he going exactly? He's just chilling there. He's, he's yeah, a hermit let, now. Let him let him have a good time. He'll find his way. He's he's Bill Burr's character. He'll he's good old Obi Wan on Tatooine. <laughs> he's gonna age I, twenty years. And, I yeah. wish I wish they kept him along, but I get why. I get why they didn't. Yeah, I also honestly thought they were gonna bring him. Like he was gonna say, "Let me help you find the kid" or something. But yeah. they didn't, and that's fine. I, I really have no big problem with it. Yeah. I'm just surprised by how much I liked his character. Yeah, he's yeah. great. I think we all were. Yeah. And that leads us to uh... actually, you know, before we talk on the finale, there's a couple of things I do want to I do want to hit um, before we talk about all the, the really big shit at the very end. Yeah. Um, one, I like the technology behind this show a lot in terms of like uh, Lucasfilm has been using ILM stagecraft, which if you've ever seen it, it is basically they put you in, in almost a giant box and then the box projects the world you're supposed to be in. And that's where they film it. Yeah, and that is the most futuristic shit I've ever seen for filmmaking, and also the reason why Disney's able to produce so much shit during the pandemic. Yep, it's it's actually fucking insane to me. Like that, like it's such a small thing, but that technology is blowing my fucking mind. And it, like it looks great. It looks so good. You would never think it was filmed with anything other than the traditional methods. Yeah, but it looks fantastic. Uh, a second thing, I hate the new Star Wars swear word. I don't like it. They had they had so many others in the past. Carabast, in my opinion, is perfect. Yeah. And they keep fucking using dank ferric. Which they is keep... just they threw a new word in. They made up a word and they're just like, we're this is the new thing. I hate it because they keep pushing it too. It's like they didn't just do like once. It's like happens like four or five times in the season. Dang and not not even like it's not like a Mandalorian curse word. No, it's just Mando. a new thing. 
Fucking Cara Dune's using it. It's Dank Farrick. Dank Farrick. Like somehow every language across the galaxy was just like Dank Farrick. I really, I don't, what, hold on. I need to know what language it's in. Because if it's, it's not Hutti, is it No, it can't be. No, it's not, it's not Hutti's. No way. Dank Farrick is a staple swear word of the Mandalorian uh, language, please. Okay, like it's, not, it's not Hatiz, because Hatiz has Echuta, which is fine. I like Echuta. That's a good one. But they also uh, fucked that one over in, Man- in Mando. Did they? Yeah. What, how, how so? I don't remember that. Um, th- there were a couple of times where they, u- they used it as like a, like a kind of like a greeting. Hmm. It was, it was a little, little upsetting. I, I can't remember that, but now I kind of want to check again. We have Sleemo, Bantapudu. Carabas is like a swear. We have Criff and Criffing. I don't know. They can't. They can't seem to give me the language for it right now. Either way, because they don't like have one. Because they it. made the word up and they just hate threw it. it in there. They didn't think of a fucking backstory for it. They just threw it in there. My Star Wars swears need lore. I want. I want a fucking book series on the origin of Dank Farrick. Damn it, that's what I want. So yeah, Dank Farrick, a Star Wars story. Sure, I want it to have a ten episode miniseries, and I want it to tie into the larger universe. God, this franchise is strange. Um, uh, yeah. Also, one last thing before we touch on the real shit. Uh, this this show has one piece of music that's not very good. It has it You're telling me you don't like the EDM that comes out there randomly? I really don't think House and... You don't think it fits? Uh, the whimsical Star Wars universe really work well together. You don't think so? No, I think that piece of music's fucking trash. <laughs> it truly do. I yeah, love it was... everything else the composer did this this in this show. Except that one track. It, it was so out of place. Fucking yeah, idiot. it was. I get what he was going for for the whole technology, like yeah. the enemies, they're just they, robot. I so. feel like it should have been closer to like synthwave. Mm-hmm. Less, less, less relaxing than synthwave, but something synthwave esque. Because you can do it with synths, just not. It doesn't have to be synthwave. It just has to be an electronic. Yeah, it just has to be electronic. Just, just not, not, not house, not EDM. That it, it sounded it's not like. House it's not how I don't know. I don't know what these words mean. I'm saying things. I don't like it. House <laughs> really is like the most it. popular version of EDM. Okay. I feel like. I I Tyler, you're the music man. What it was is the most like it's the stereotypical EDM. Like when what we heard of when the score came up. Yes, yeah. the EDM. What it mm-hmm. actually is, I don't know the specific genre. I just know it's not house. House is a lot more. I guess easy going. It's more like dancey. Yeah, house is way more dancey. I guess it's a fair way to look at it. I truly don't 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 know shit. I just know I hate that piece of music. Yeah. Yeah. Now now we've we've abandoned all pretext. It was super out of place. Yeah. Yeah. It was super fucking out of place. I agree. Uh, But now that we've abandoned all pretext, we can talk about the thing that really matters. They brought the fucking Skywalker into the show. Yeah. I oh which was just like the, you oh know they they brought like you see they they cut to the X-wing flying in right and it's the like moment huh no I'm sorry maybe that's Luke Skywalker but maybe it isn't me and Chris both went back multiple times yeah like, and then they cut to just a Jedi like dark like you can't tell who it is and it's like huh maybe it's Luke Skywalker but maybe it isn't and then you see the green lightsaber. Man, even when I saw the green lightsaber, I thought, 
no, it can't be Luke. It has to be Quinlan Vos because for, there is no, <laughs> there yeah. is no fucking way in hell I believe that. Like they said, like you know, oh lone lone light uh, lone X wing, and I'm like, no, 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 it can't. You know, they show the hooded finger. I'm like Ahsoka. I'm I'm thinking there has to be something else. There's no yeah. way. Like there's no way be... they brought Luke Skywalker in here. No fucking way. Like I don't I, believe it. I refuse. Like then, even when the evidence was looking at me in the eyes, I had to lie to myself. It wasn't until I got a good look at the hilt and I knew I couldn't deny yeah. it any further that it was like holy fucking shit, it's Luke Skywalker. I do like how they gave him a, a hallway scene, like they gave Vader in Rogue One. I like it. I I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little let's say a little thing real quick. Um. I think Rogue One's an okay movie. <laughs> I don't love Rogue One, right? So I kind of hate that, like, people, you know, they, they saw, like, oh, you know, Luke had a hallway scene like his father before him, right? Um, and pe- I, people are calling it, like, a cinematic parallel, and it's really fucking not. No, 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 <laughs> That's it's not it's, how that works. It's not a cinematic parallel. It's not. I just, I know, I'm not saying you say this. I just want to yeah. vent about people who do say this. But you didn't like, wrong. you thought Rogue One was okay? I think Rogue One's okay. I thought it was okay. I think it has a very that's weak true. Actually, first the first act. half is like so yeah. the, the fucking. The first and boring. second act is really weak, and the characters are basically non-existent. Dude, I watched that movie like four times in theaters, and I fell asleep twice. I mean, I've watched every Star Wars movie at least ten times at this point. No, no, but like I, I went one. to theaters like four times to watch it. <laughs> I think someone else we know fell asleep during Rogue One as well. That was probably me. I think it was also Fabio. Maybe. I can that. maybe or maybe maybe someone else i can't remember either way it has problems it's not like this masterpiece like i've seen people call it a masterpiece war film it's really not no. that uh, but it, it does has... fill a major plot hole it fills, it fills a major plot it's really i enjoy it amazing huh the ending the last 30 minutes is what yeah, we... the, the, like as an action sequence the last third of the movie is awesome but like yeah. i find it hard to be very invested in it when i don't care about these people on this mission because they've been given like one or two character traits and they've not been given really the time to bounce off each other in an interesting way. Like yeah. the character I cared the most about was the droid, K2SO, pretty much because he was played by Adam Tudyk. Like that's it. Yeah. He's, and he's really charming. Like it's pretty much it. Like if I asked you to like give me traits about Jin Erso that are shown and not told to us, yeah, I don't like, think either of you can give can't me. can't think of it, no. I can think of some because I've seen the movie a lot. But like they're not particularly interesting ones, and they're not used or shown in interesting ways. This is all just a vent. People keep saying that this is like a cinematic parallel. I hate it because that's not what's happening. It's just a really nice reference. It's all it is. It's really fun. I, mean, I think it's people just moment. remember the back half. Yeah, I mean, I, there are a lot of people who really praise Rogue One as like the best Disney era Star Wars film, and I strongly disagree with that. I think it's my least favorite Disney era Star Wars film. But yeah. I think it was the start of Disney putting out good shit. Yeah, I don't. I don't Which like is Force questionable with much. the sequels. I don't. I don't like the Force Awakens very much. But I think that every other Disney Star Wars film, aside, even the Force Awakens, I think are all better than Rogue One, pretty easily to me. Okay, questionable, but that's okay. We don't have time to argue this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can't argue. You argue yeah. me this when we get to those movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Luke gets a really badass hallway scene. Yep. It's absolutely, he gets a really good piece of music too. Yep. I like that piece of music they gave him. He's chopping through these dark saber droids who are gonna absolutely wipe the floor with the crew, and then he gets in there. He he lifts his helmet and he says, um, "Mandalorian, I'm taking your child. He's coming with me." Um, basically. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, he takes he takes Baby Yoda away. That's that's how season two ends. Uh, Baby Yoda goes with Luke, and everyone else is left standing in the bridge of a ship. Yeah. Trying to think about what they're gonna do that's going forward. Acting during that scene when he takes first off, anytime he takes off his helmet is really great because you see how Mando is 
straight up naked without it. Yeah. Yeah. So you see the how uncomfortable he is without fucking everything. Yeah, again, Pedro Pascal is just a great actor. Yeah. Yeah. Pedro Pascal is really good. He's been getting work. He was in Wonder Woman 1984, eh. which me and Tyler both watched. It's not very good at all. No. Um, that's for another episode. And that's for another episode. I hope it's not. not very, it's not very good. Oh, now I want to make Tyler watch it again. I'm not going to watch it again. I'm going to wait like two years. I'm going to wait like two or <laughs> three Just until he forgot so about it. Watch it. Yeah, just so that it gets out of your memory. Oh, okay. I'll have fun laughing at the stupidity of half the shit. Yeah, and then you'll be really bored for the other half. I still win. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, I think that this ending, I, I, I think it's pretty interesting. It's like a cliffhanger, and it definitely has a lot of implications. Yeah. Um, yeah what, Rogu- what implications are that, Chris? Uh, well, the implications are that A, Grogu- Baby Yoda is going to go to a second school shooting. God damn you. I was trying to get you into this. Yeah, I know yeah. you were trying, but I can always win. <laughs> it is um, a second school shooting. Yeah. Because he was there for the Jedi Temple purge. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Baby Yoda, I definitely don't think Baby Yoda is going to die at uh, when the Jedi Temple falls, when Ben Solo turns to the dark side. But I wonder yeah. how they're going to tie tie that into the new movies, right? I don't think I... made a because... cap- like that if he was to die there's no way Disney would have made this cute cut yeah. and be like oh he's gonna die but he's not gonna die there's there's no way in hell but is this like an assumption that like he won't be old enough in in the sequels to make a difference so here's the thing that's kind of weird right now he's about 50 years old right yeah he but is, he's still a baby he's still a baby you know no, I'm yeah. just because it's weird because we have one piece of I don't know if it's canon or like secondary canon information that says when Yoda was a hundred years old he'd already become a Jedi master yeah. So either that number is completely wrong, or <laughs> once I don't know, Baby Yoda's gonna have a hell of a growth spurt really fast. <laughs> that or you know, adult Yoda was like a toddler when he became a Jedi Master. Like those those numbers just don't add up. Yeah, it does say he was a hundred at when he was a hundred. I can't Jedi find the, I can't find the source for that, so I don't know where that's actually listed. If it's in a it's book, on the Star Wars wiki. The Star Wars wiki still says that. Um, yeah. What's his name? The fat guy at the end of the at the end of the show in the post credit scene. Uh, Bib Fortuna. It still yeah. says Bib Fortuna got killed in Jabba's barge, so we can't really trust that. Yeah, That's yeah, like we can't. Tertiary canon. Yeah. Um, but like, so like, technically speaking, if we assume kind of the ages how how it's going, Baby Yoda will be seventy nine by the end of the sequel trilogy. Which yeah. Is still very young probably as baby yoda he'll it be like is? a child i don't think he would be any use mm. okay that makes sense like, i could i could see like that he is at luke's temple when it falls but like we've seen how the temple gets destroyed in canon oh. it seem, it's mostly palpatine palpatine seemingly like destroys it but he doesn't like send troopers to order 66 it or anything yeah like no one makes sure that everyone's dead so i could see like like we already knew that a group of luke students weren't even on planet at the time and then they come back and they try hunting down ben solo and he ends up killing them um, as they chase him down. So it's very possible that other students survived and or maybe yeah. Baby Yoda wasn't even on the fucking planet. Or yeah, maybe, maybe he wasn't even there. Baby Yoda back. Like, there's a thousand ways that Baby Yoda yeah. isn't going to I'm, I'm just curious as to how they're going to take it. I'm very curious as well. Because there I, needs I, to be a way for it to make sense. Ray is definitely going to see Baby Yoda at some point down the line yeah. in canon. Like, that's just an inevitability, I feel. Because there's no way they're going to murder him. Yeah, I don't think blood. so. There's he's made too much money to to be murdered in cold he's, blood. He's so much merch. You can't yeah. kill your merch like that. Which is gonna be weird when he's not gonna be in the show. I think it'll be good for bit. the show. Well, yeah, I do. I do wonder where they're gonna take the show from here. Like it definitely. It looks like the show is gonna be focused on like Mandalorian unification. Yeah, because like that's the current plot thread. Like Jin has the dark saber. Bo wants the dark saber to be the leader of Mandalore. 
antics ensue. Uh, we also know that the Mandalorian and Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka are all going to be tying together in one kind of climactic event. Yeah. Uh, judging by the fact that Thrawn was name dropped in Ahsoka, it could be that that's the climactic event that we're getting kind of like an heir to the Empire TV special type of thing. Yeah. Which I'd be very excited to see. And that could basically be what man, like maybe Moff Gideon was working for Thrawn and maybe not for yeah. like maybe, or maybe he was on his own, or maybe he's has ties to what will become the first order. There's yeah, a lot of ways they can They, take they it. have a lot of options here. I just hope they pick the right one. I don't know if I want it to be Thrawn or first order related. Yeah, I just I, hope they pick one that's interesting. I, I think it, I feel like it personally, I want it to be one of the two because we had that one scene um, where. It's on Devaro where, where Mandalorian goes back and he meets up with Carl's brothers and they like attack like a, an Imperial base. Yeah. And in the tanks, you see like these weird body things, right? Yeah. But as they approach the tanks, uh, Snoke's theme plays. So it would seem oh. like the thing in the tanks were early attempts to create yeah. like a homunculus like Snoke. Okay. If he's an homunculus and not originally a human, we don't really know yet. But to, whatever Snoke is, that would seemingly have been a prototype. So yeah. I would be kind of okay if they decided to go like tying it to the first order and just tying it to the sequels more heavily in the same way that like Clone Wars fix adds a lot to the plot holes that the prequels have. This could do pretty much the same thing as it goes forward. I'd I'd like it to go that way. I could see it going Thrawn still because of the Ahsoka show. Yeah, either way would be good. I feel either like. way. I'm very excited for the future of Star Wars TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the showrunner is John Favreau and Bellini. What is he showrunner? No, is he the showrunner? No, he he is. <laughs> He's specifically show running, I think, Ahsoka. Well, I mean, and then he's co show he's co running Mandalorian. Yeah, and then so Filoni has in good hands. The show's in good hands, so I trust that both of them would uh, have an idea of what they're uh, wrapping up to. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, also like Star Wars TV as a whole, there's like what eleven projects announced right now. Yeah, they they've announced a lot of shit, and I'm hoping I, I can't wait. Acolyte is by far the most hyped of the all for me, but like Lando, yeah. that's fucking good. Obi Wan, Rangers of the New Republic. So mm. I'm excited actually for Obi Wan and Ahsoka a lot. I think I'm I I have a uh, Ahsoka problem. I actually mentioned that I was gonna say this. Um, we hear Ahsoka's voice at the end of Rise of Skywalker, Ahsoka, uh, which implies that she's very dead at that point. Yeah, good. Sounds kind of perfect to me. Um, I feel like that's a long enough time that you can bookend your character within this point. Uh, but then, like, Filoni kind of, like, was like, well, I don't really see it that way. And then he tweets out, like, a picture of Gandalf, and Gandalf's, like, saying – or a drawing of Gandalf, and Gandalf's saying, like, people thought I was dead once, too. And it's like, Filoni, you got to let her go at some point. Yeah. She, she can't really be at the end of the sequel trilogy, buddy. You got to kill yeah, her it, eventually. Because if she's at the end of the sequel trilogy and it's just, like – That raises fucking why would, Like, that raises the Baby Yoda question. Yeah. Like, I, why I can wasn't justify, she there? I can justify why she doesn't do anything during the original trilogy. Yeah. Maybe she's like completely focused on Thrawn in the unknown regions and she's yeah. everything else. Like I can explain, I can justify that. Or like she, she can't bring herself to fight up against like yeah. her old master or whatever. Yeah, like again, that's fine. Like, like, you know, justify, that's fine. I can't, I can't justify it for the sequel trilogy. I yeah. she needs to be dead. <laughs> yeah. She, she needs to be dead. Cosmic space. You know, she can't like, she needs to be in either deep in some force related shit that she is basically no longer a piece on the board ever yeah. again. Or she mm. needs to be dead. There has to be a legitimate reason. Yeah. So like that's my biggest worry that like will Filoni be okay enough to kill his like his babied character? It's yeah. Like his favorite one. I hope. All so. right. Closing thoughts on Mando. I like it. It's fun. I mean, Star Wars makes me happy. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I like it. Me, best episodes is probably. Well, I mean, the finale is amazing, but the Bill episode with 
Bilbo's second episode is one of my oh, favorite. Uh, Fro- Frog Lady is um, all I need in life. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> frog lady. That frog lady. That that's my last. That's my last thought. <laughs> All right. On that note, we're walking. Tyler, walking over to Joss Whedon's 2002 canceled series Firefly. This show is on every list that comes up for uh, shows canceled too soon, yeah. and for good reason. It's the space western that was on Fox about this ragtime ragtime group of they're not bounty hunters they just yeah smugglers that's what it is they're smugglers they just take jobs get into trouble and keep pushing and all led by the always charming and very likable uh nathan fillion nathan fillion's so fucking charming yeah Yeah. i truly i truly love nathan fillion I, i do want to start this by saying i think we can all agree that um fox is fucking was 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 I guess really because they're not really, really themselves anymore. Um, Fox could not handle a property for shit. No, man, like they they botched X Men, they botched this. Like Fox is famous for canceling the Deadpool. Do you show. think that maybe this show came out too early though? Kinda, <sighs> maybe I can agree with that. I mean, Joss Whedon was hot off of Buffy at this point, right? Yeah, that also is a stupid thing that is like, oh, we got this guy fresh off a show that everybody loved and it was yeah. huge people went crazy for it yeah like i feel like it's gonna sound weird but like space western shows maybe not for like main cable maybe i can understand that because main cable is like this might sound really like pretentious of me but it's kind of derivative it's a lot of sitcoms no that's what that's what i'm thinking sitcoms and cop shows and superhero now because of the cw that's still bad. Uh, it's I would still kind of a procedural TV. cop show at that point. Yeah, it's literally a procedural cop show. It's yeah. a, it's they just put cops in superheroes. as superheroes. Yeah, and they're not very good. Yeah, I said it. No, they all um, suck. I, as a <laughs> big DC <laughs> Comics person, DC every single one of them. Good. I don't think there's a single show that's good. I liked the first two seasons of of Arrow. Yeah, the, but that's like that's every that's DC that's show. <laughs> I like the first season or the first two seasons, and then they somehow managed to stretch it on into twenty. And it's not very good. No, I, yeah. I agree. Um, Don't get yeah, me started because I, I, I wasted fucking like a week or like two weeks watching fucking Arrow. <sighs> I watched like four seasons. Listen, as a huge Green uh, Green Arrow fan, like in the comics, pain. He's just Batman light, but we can't go into that right now. All right, yeah, yeah, no, sorry, sorry. I, I got, I just got really pissed off for a no, second no, I there. Get it. Listen, I'm really pissed off now. I have, I have literally a Green Arrow comic tab open right now, and now you're just, it's just triggering me. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe, maybe like a space western was a bit much for like early cable. Like I can understand that. It's just a bummer that like Fox didn't see what they had. Yeah, because this was a really good show. Yeah, the first season, wow. like it only had one season, and it was good. It shows so much promise for what it could be because. The story, besides, it basically is a week, uh, like each week you have a new adventure, but there's the overarching story of one of the uh, crew members. Well, she's not, she was a, she was a stowaway because her brother got her on the ship because he's trying to protect her. The brother being uh, the doctor, Simon, he's trying to protect his sister because she was sent off to this weird academy that did some experiments on her. So now she's just fucked up. So yeah, they 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 cut out her amygdala. Yeah, which means like her what? Amygdala obligata, the part of your brain. Do you guys all also not remember that one particular part of the brain? No, no, that's, that's, it's that's not what it's called. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that was it. 
Wait, what are you saying, Chris? Amygdala. Amygdala. begins with an A, but I always pronounce it wrong. Amygdala. And then the full no, name I, is Amygdala Abugada. Isn't it I remember Medula that Abugada? Because... Yeah, I was going to say, he's trying to say Medula. <laughs> um, you know, actually, I think it's really interesting with the show <laughs> that it, it truly is like, you can kind of take the show and place it as a Western and it'd be pretty much one-to-one. Um, <laughs> but then because... they have the river storyline, which I don't like. Tyler doesn't like it. That's right. I have no problem with it. I don't have like, I don't. I didn't like, really have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. I just any time that it wasn't focused on uh, the academy trying to recapture her, the the best uh, episodes happened or the best shit happened. I can agree with that. Like I'm, I'm thinking like the best episode of the whole show is Out of Gas, which is a is a. It's mainly a flash. It's not a mainly a flashback episode, but it's a flashback episode showing how the crew members got on the ship, and how the ship came to be with Mal and everything. Yeah, yeah, and then also at the same time, it flashes forward to um. Well, present day. Yeah, flashes forward to present day, I should say. Huh. Um, and they're basically Mal's out of gas. He's shot, and he's trying to, uh, make get help so that like because they're out of fuel and the ship's the ship's stranded, and he's trying to put a piece back together in order to to make the ship run again. And, and he sacrifices. He basically sacrifices himself and sends the crew off. Hey, there's two, there's two uh, ships, shuttles. Two, two shuttles. They're not gonna get you very far, but like you, t- you four people each for there's eight people. You four split split amongst yourselves, go in opposite directions and see if you can find help. And yeah. I'll stay on the ship in case somebody actually gets our distress call. So it's a really good. If that was the last episode, the actual ending for the show for the show not the movie that actually ends everything would be more satisfactory because you get this nice little of oh how did you get here and you get this he obviously survives by the end so it'd be a nice last episode yeah i can see that it's definitely more conclusive than what we got which was just like a bounty hunter episode a bounty hunter coming to try and take river yeah i do think that the bounty hunter episode we got does help develop um, Mal, Mal, who is our main character played by Nathan Villian, and River's character dynamic a bit more. Mm. It kind of helps build them up together. Um, because that I think that is the strongest part. Of it. Well, actually, let me let me touch on something I didn't get to say before. Um, you could literally take the show and drop it in in Old West, and it's it's literally like one yeah. for one. Like basically. Mal is basically a Confederate soldier who lost to the Union, and is real bitter about it. Mm-hmm. And like you know, it, it, you can pretty he basically went to the far west where he could be free from like the Union's controlling hand. And let's be real. Until the until the movie, right? Because the movie changes some stuff about Reavers as we as we understand them. And Reavers until, are... they're basically just a really fucked up depiction of, of Native Americans as, as they were back in the day. Like if you were to look at like books, like of old Western content from back in the day, right? Like really back in, mm-hmm. uh, Native Americans were basically depicted as the Reavers are in the show, as like murderous yeah. rapists who like will take your caravan and kill everyone in there and then eat them and you know and all that. So that was basically just like the film. Like this is literally like a classical old West setting. And Jim Joss Whedon's like, but what if it was spacey? Yeah. And uh, it, it works really it, well. It, very, very well. It ends up working very well. Like again, like the cast is just super fucking good together. They all have like fantastic dynamics. Everyone has a really interesting way of working with one another. Um, and I think that's the strongest part of the show. It's the just how good the cast is. Everybody is the yeah. best. I think someone once said like, um, if you want to make a really good cast dynamic, if you were you wanted you wanted to be that, if you were to give each character the same problem, 
they would each have a completely different way of handling it. Yeah. And that is spot on to why this cast, chem- uh, the chemistry between these characters is so good. It was crazy good. Yeah. Like, James which is Schuette, why it really, really sucks that it was only one season. Yeah. Like, it, it is a shame. You really grow to enjoy these characters. Like, even people who don't really get a lot within the show, yeah. like The Shepherd. I ended up really liking The Shepherd uh, while I, watching this. I feel like for such a short amount of time, like, they built such a great attraction to each character or attachment to each character like you liked basically every character or like you knew everything everything you needed to know about every character yeah even people who are assholes like jane they get like an episode that pretty heavily redefines them as a character yeah in a really interesting way and it's personally one of my favorite episodes in the show like i legitimately think the show was just too ahead of its time and that's why i got canceled that's fair. I mean, I, I'd agree with that. I, I'd honestly because if this came out now, well, right now I think say it's a Mando clone, but you, if it, it came, came out, out before like Mando, two years ago. like two years ago, yeah, yeah, like before Mando, I think it'd be like a, a major show. Oh, yeah. it would have been one hundred percent because it's I, also one of the shows that Whedon's known for his whole and we well, didn't Whedon's known for a few things now. Well, I mean, his writing style, yeah, yeah, <laughs> his writing style of huh. having like a bunch of quips and jokes thrown in there during like serious moments now people get pissed at it but like back in the day this yeah i mean that's kind of what the first avengers movie was yeah which was yeah which is why like avengers which is is why avengers became such a big thing like like, people might not want to hear this people like oh like sweden we'll get to Sweden in a bit but like basically avengers is kind of good because of that writing style yeah like people say it's overblown now but the fact was when you had such a like an ensemble cast like that you needed these types of quips for chemistry and he knew how to do ensemble cast really fucking well. Yeah. Like he botched Justice League to shit, which again, we'll get to, but he did Avengers fantastically. Yeah. And that was like the kickstart of. Yeah. That was the true like opener of the MCU. When that, yeah. when I watched that movie six times in theaters. That yeah. Was that's when, when it was like, realized. yeah. Disney was like, we got Chris, we got him. We got it. It's over. <laughs> and then they bought Star Wars. <laughs> and, and then they bought Star Wars as if they didn't already have me. Um, I actually don't care for Marvel that much. Either way, um, yeah, we're just yeah. surprising, but we'll move on. Yeah, I, I, I don't care for Marvel comics. I like the movies well enough, but I'm not yeah. like, as big as I would, as you would expect me to be. Fair. I'm big, I'm big enough. Um, but yeah, one of my favorite episodes in the show because I figure this is a pretty good show, like to pick a favorite episode. We talked about Out of Gas, but another personal favorite of mine, and argue maybe my second favorite, is um Janestown. Probably my favorite, actually. Yeah, it's really good. Where, where Jane, who is the asshole of the group, he's uh, he's a complete prick. He's a fire first, ask questions later. Straight up mercenary. Straight up mercenary, all about the money type of guy. He betrayed yeah, his like last the, boss to join. The now. traditional Western, like, yeah, badass. He's a scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> he's a total scumbag. Even he his goes, flashback, his flashback in yeah. Out of Gas is literally just that. He, he betrays Mal for money. Even though he oh, betrays yeah. his old boss for Mal offering him money. Yeah. It's great. Um, and in this episode, I fucking love it. it. He goes to a town where he used to do a job. And in the job, the job went to shit. And he ended up dropping off the payload over this town of miners. And it ended up, like, inspiring the miners. Like, it was a job. Like, the stuff that he dropped was, like, a shit ton of gold. And it inspired the miners to, like, rise up and defend themselves to protect the money he gave them. Yeah. And, like, they basically, like, start unionizing. <laughs> and, like, they have, like, a rebellion. And... Uh, they, they they call him the hero of Jamestown for dropping this money on them. He's like the Robin Hood to them. But in reality, the job just went to shit and he yeah. was going to crash and get caught unless he dropped the gold. He wasn't a hero. Yeah, it was like a, just the hero out of like 
misfortune for him yeah 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 that that episode is great when the kid uh, who looks up to him because he's portrayed as a hero there's a huge statue of him uh, and the kid literally jumps in front of a bullet to protect him even though they just learned that what he did wasn't for heroic reasons he runs into his old partner in the job and he admits that he was like a fraud and yet the guy still gives his life for him. And I, I love this, the, the scene he has with Mal at the end of the episode where he, he's talking about, like, it's kind of like, he's not a hero. Why did that kid jump in front of it for him? And Mal's basically just like, what really matters is, you know, what it meant to them and yeah. not what you actually did. And it's like, damn, that's so fucking good. And that's such a great, like, development for Jane as a character. And that's, that's <laughs> this, yeah. great. That seems great, but that's not... My my favorite scene involving Mal and Jane, oh in, yeah, in Ariel, which is when uh, Doc the when Simon and River go to this uh, city and he's trying to basically give her a cat scan and see what the hell's wrong with her brain. Yeah, yeah, but Jane hears that hears about the reward that's on uh, River and Simon's head, so he immediately tries to betray them. Immediately think shit goes wrong. He saves both of them, but Mal knows that he betrayed him. Betrayed him, meaning that he. Anytime you fuck with the group, you fuck with Mal, and yeah. Mal planned to literally toss him off the ship as it was flying into space. That last scene's amazing. Yeah, I like how it's like. Uh, the only reason he seems like he doesn't do it is because Jane's like, um, make something up. You know, don't tell him what I did. Because Jane knows it. Jane feels bad about it. Yeah, he, he knows what he did was fucked. Like, he yeah. still regrets it. Like, later on, we see an episode where River reads his mind, and he's like, I fucked up. I got stupid. So, like, he does regret it. You know, and he does actually care what the crew thinks of him. He doesn't want to be known as the traitor. Yeah. Like, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Um, and I think this leads us pretty well into the movie, Serenity. Well, actually, one thing I want to talk about before we oh. move into the movie. Actually, also, what's your favorite episode aside from Jamestown that we haven't mentioned? Mine? Yeah. Uh, the train I don't good. know. The train I was... really like Janestown, and that's kind of the only one I remember right now. That's fair. But what I was going to mention, CGI in this in this show. <laughs> it's it's 2003. You know, yeah. You can't blame them too hard. This is no. Jurassic Park budget. I'm assuming Fox was giving them a, a box of gum and a pack of cigarettes every week to film the episode. Yes. So <laughs> also, it's, it's amazing. It, 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 it exists. Also language in the uh, show is really. That's unique. weird. Yeah. It, it's weird. Cause like, it's never actually touched on in the show. Apparently in some expanded material, the humans who survived after like earth went to shit, like only two nations actually made it out of it. And there was the U S and China. So I like, mean, the universal language is the, is you a mix between uh, seemingly Mandarin? And that's not Mandarin? explicitly stated in the show, but every summary is really just that. So yeah, but it's not it's not stated in the show. I think it's like from some expanded material. I don't know what. Um, but yeah, it, it's very it's interesting. I don't know how much I like it. It, it sometimes feels a bit jarring. I, yeah, very dated. Yeah, I don't I know about I, <laughs> dated. I don't. I don't know about dated. No, I, but I feel like if I watch this in two thousand. 2003 i'd be fine with it right because when i watch the we're gonna go back to star wars here when i watch the prequels to to me the cgi was fine at the time because it's like something new that you've never seen before okay uh-huh. you're talking about the cgi not the language well the language sorry okay okay no i was making sure 
No, I I just fucking fucked up there. Yeah, I was about to say that. To be honest with you, it could apply to both. Honestly, it, though, the language being dated. Yeah, because I could see like this doesn't feel like something that really passed in modern TV. That I don't is... think I could see a show doing this. But does that mean it's dated or just unique? I think dated. I think I think kind of like what Faison was saying. I wouldn't have literally batted an eye. But I was literally just fucking. I I just Faison, mixed it up. Roll around, roll <laughs> I'm not gonna roll with it. I'm gonna own up. I'm gonna own up to my mistake. It's God late. It, I've, I've been drinking. That. Like I'll own up to it. <laughs> I will say it confused the shit out of me because I watched the show before, like a year ago, and I rewatched it for this, or more than a year ago, and I watched it in about one sitting, um, overnight. There's only fourteen episodes. episodes. Yeah, it's only 14 episodes, so it's not that long. And I watched it in one sitting. It is very long, though. But I didn't sleep that night. <laughs> like, the, the pilot episode's literally two hours. Yeah, yeah the yeah. pilot's a movie. I don't so. think I watched that episode, because I don't think that was... In oh, yeah, the, the pilot Netflix wasn't a had. thing. It wasn't released properly, and I don't think Netflix had it when, when it was on Netflix. But oh. I watched it overnight, and uh, I thought I was going crazy, because I couldn't fucking understand some of the words they were saying. So I just kind of assumed that, man, the sleep deprivedness is really getting to me. But rewatching it now, I realized they were talking in Chinese, which was uh, definitely a great revelation. It is a little weird. I don't think there's a reason for it. Well, they did it because it's the aesthetic choice. Left. Huh? Yeah, but and like, it's in, and it's years in the future. So like, when you're growing up, those are the only two you have. So. I but like, I still like, think it's not that interesting. I don't know. In my opinion, like, w- at some point, wouldn't one language be dominant over the other? Honestly, I think it would just it would merge more cleanly. Like, it wouldn't be I speak in English all the time and then I swear in Chinese. I yeah. feel like there'd be a like it, it would be a real blend of the dialects. You know, like yeah. I, I'm not a, I'm not a linguistics major. I don't know much about languages, but I do know that languages change a lot during time and that they blend with. But other I mean, languages. even if you think of it, right? Somebody that grew up speaking like a different language, right? and learn English as a secondary language, like, yes, they'll swear in their, like, if they're really, really mad, they'll swear in their their native language. Yeah, that's actually a fair point, because I I have to assume that none of these people natively spoke Chinese. Also, a bit weird that there's not a single Asian person in the show for a universe that's supposed to be early Early 2000s, Chris. I mean, they have, they actually, (laughs) they had two two black people on the cast for the early 2000s. Still early 2000s. (laughs) You know what? You make a damn fine point. How can I? How can I disagree with that? Um, I think this now brings us to Serenity, which is the it's the movie finale for the show, right? Because you know the show got canceled, so two years later they make Serenity to be um, the, you know, like, finale. The, the, the finale, basically. Yeah, because I but, guess Fox gave them the budget for some. I don't know why. Like, what changed their mind that they're like, we'll give you was, a movie, but not a show? It was probably because like the fan was, out, it, was it Fox though. I have to assume because I'm pretty sure Fox. Well, no, they couldn't it. name. They couldn't name it Firefly. Oh, hold on. I'll Why do you think right now? Serenity, I just assumed that was how you'd name it. I didn't. I actually that that actually makes a lot raises a lot of questions. Yeah, they would have just. Uh, named it, it was by. It was from Universal. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I wonder. Does that mean Universal currently owns the rights to Firefly? Because I assume that it was still Fox well, and now Disney. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's still Disney. Because the show, because the show is still under Fox, it's not like the show is now under Universal. So, was Serenity technically supposed to be completely like non-canon, so to speak? I'm pretty uh, sure they just did it in a way that they couldn't get like, screwed. like, um, like, like non-canon, but like it had the same, you know. Yeah, so like it's technically the same canon, cast. But technically not. That's <laughs> very same. weird. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, but the movies. 
the, the movie is a finale for a show that had three seasons. That's the biggest. Yeah. Because it, 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 yeah. like, how many years has it passed the show? Uh, the first in season. Life? In the show or in the movie? In the movie or in the like real life? You mean? Because in real life, well, it's, like two, it's yeah, two, two years, years, right? But do, does the movie take place? Like, how much later does it take place? We from? don't know. Yeah, we don't know. The show ends off. The last episode in the show is like eight months later. Is Anura is debating about leaving, and then by the movie, she's already gone, and she's yeah. been gone for a little bit. And Shepard's left too. And Shepard's left. Yeah, the, the movie. Yeah, it definitely. I feel like because we talked about this pretty much as you were watching it, Tyler. You texted me about this that like certain characters feel off, especially the Doctor. Um, and I agree completely. And it it almost feels like like. Because, you know, by the end of the season, a lot of characters had certain relationships that have developed. So, like, Mal and the Doc really got along. Mal and River had started to kind of get along. You know, there was there was more of a dynamic that, that was kind of like, they were just, they were getting better together. Mm-hmm. But here, it feels like over time, the relationship must have deteriorated to the point that now they're kind of at each other's throats again. Like, either it reset or we have to assume it, re- it deteriorated. Yeah, which we, we have no we idea see. of happening. Like, yeah, what happened? physical like did he ever try and fight mal i don't think he ever hit mal till the movie yeah that was and the, when he did that it was like the weirdest thing it he was so sudden yeah, yeah I, I like you have to assume that in the year or however long that passed their relationship has fallen apart yeah like in the, in the two seasons that were supposed to happen something yeah. crazy happened i mean yeah same thing with shepherd like it seems like he's setting up like a covenant of some sort kinda, yeah like for like these kids and stuff and it's like, okay, that was never even remotely mentioned. Like, it makes sense because he's like, like a, a man of okay, religion, yeah. But like, doesn't it? That was never really touched on at all. Um, and I also feel that, like, because you know we don't have an R, and R already left the crew, like you said. And Shepard's off world. It feels like because of that, the first act of the movie feels a bit unbalanced to me because the cast dynamic isn't there. Because Inara and Shepard were like two of the biggest voices of reason in the show. Yeah. To whatever craziness yeah. someone was talking about. So without them there, it felt a little bit weird to me. It, it kind of felt like a standalone movie. Yeah, it, it felt like a standalone movie, but without any context about the world. Like it yeah. expects you to have watched Firefly to go yes. into this. There's, there doesn't give you. Yeah, but it also like expected you to forget about like all the certain character development. Like they expected certain you to have watched Firefly two yeah. years ago. Yeah. And then come to the theater. That's exactly. Yeah. So what so it like you remember like some of the things, but not all of them. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, it does. I think again, this is. It just falls back to being Fox's fault canceling the show too early. I feel like if we had two seasons of build up to get to this movie, yeah, I, mean, it'd a be, lot of yeah, I think it'd be really good. Better. There are some things in this movie I feel like wouldn't hit better, but I think there are a lot of things that would. I feel like it's a good. It's a good enough finale for what it is. Like you get, kind of a. You finish the main plot, which we're going to build toward with the Weavers and with River. Yeah. You finish that plot off, which I guess was going to be the whole overarching thing. That was the end game of the show. Yeah, so you do solve that, even though it's a bit rushed. But I mean, like it's what they could do. Yeah. I I do want, I think it's kind of funny that the Reavers, uh, it's basically Rage from 28 Days Later. It's, it's I, just, I just find that kind of fucking hilarious. It's <laughs> hey, literally right. the same thing as Rage. Yeah. Um, I think like yeah, I think most of the movie's okay. Like, there's not a lot of things that are like aggressively bad with the movie, but there is there are there is one kind of type of thing that didn't really sit super well with me that I kind of want to bring up here, and it's the deaths. Very I didn't weird. feel like they were done well or to the right people. Shepard's death is okay. It's still weird as hell that he's 
He's barely in the movie. He shows up. It's like, oh, you returned. And then the moment you leave and come back, he's dying. Yeah. Shepard, Shepard's death feels like, again, it needed more buildup to explain what he was doing here and why that mattered. Because like, yeah. if we had like a season where Shepard's talking about how he wants to make this, this convent type place and he wants to make this place for the kids. And then now in the movie, Shepard dies and that place is burned down. It's like, oh shit, I fucking hate the Alliance now. You know what I mean? Like the stakes would feel higher. Yeah. But at the same time, I do feel like Shepard kind of got an arc out of it. Like he, he shoots down the Alliance ship that was attacking him. So it's like he shoots down the Alliance ship and it's kind of like, you know, he was like a man of God, never going to fight. But he, here he is like doing something that he says isn't very, isn't very godly of him, you know? Yeah. So I feel like he actually did get an arc with his death. So that's why it doesn't bother me too much. It's just another situation where it clearly felt like it needed more buildup. But Wash. Wash's death makes no fucking joke. Makes no fucking <laughs> sense. Hey, I actually, I, I got a joke for you guys that I, I wanted to remember how to do this joke. It's based off a meme I saw many years ago. Uh, what's the best way to clean a uh, reaver harpoon? What? You put it through the wash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Huh? But I want to just thank point you. out. Thank thank you. Oh, that was good, man. That was good. <laughs> thank I you. Thank you. Oh, I want to point out. Wash is played by Alan. Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. He's fantastic. He's. We've also talked about him now a second time because he was the villain in Tomb Patrol. Yes. So he's a recurring character. Also fantastic show. in that show. Fantastic. He's, but, I love. He's also K two S O, who we talked about a little while ago. Also fantastic. Yeah, three times actually. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a heavy hitter. He's coming back in again. We got to invite Alan Tudyk on the show. Alan Tudyk, if you ever for some reason hear this, please. <laughs> I'd if love by to have some you on. miracle. <laughs> I'll add him on Twitter. Just tweet at him every single day. Don't, have- don't do that. Don't. I. I. Oh God, I feel awful. <laughs> but you know, I mean, if it works. Yeah, if it works, but, it works. Anyway. Yeah. He's played, he's played great. The character is fun, but the one problem I have with the character is that he's Chance the Rapper and he loves his wife. How dare a yeah. man love his wife? That bastard. But that's his only character that's trait. I don't think that's his only character trait. I think he has a little more going to him. He, he's got like a childlike aloofness to him. He has these dinosaurs in front of his ship, like in front of the, the cabinet. Um, when, he's, when he's flying in the final battle, he's just saying like these weird catchphrases. He's like a very lighthearted, kind of goofy fellow. Yeah, you know but I mean? then ninety percent of his lines are my wife. Hey, he's he's a man who's loyal. All right, I, I ain't gonna judge him for that. I ain't gonna judge him. It's I rare like, in space like, westerns. It is very space western. I re- I like Wash a lot. Oh, I, I don't dislike like him. I just find it weird that ninety percent of his any literally the one ep- the episode that heavily focuses on him is him being jealous of Mal and his wife. That is true. That is fair. I would have liked another Wash episode. I, yeah. I do feel like also his death is the... Oh, it's stupid. It's the most poorly done one. Because, like, A, it's very sudden like that. And two... The, it means nothing. It, like, it doesn't complete an arc for him at all. Mal and I forget... What is his wife's name? Zoe. Yeah, Mal and Zoe, are, like, they can't really grieve at the moment because, like, they're being chased by Reavers. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I guess Zoe kind of goes through it. She's basically just shooting and killing yeah. everyone at the end she, she kind of goes numb for it yeah and, and then they do have off. they do have the ceremony at that not the ceremony funeral at yeah. the end but it's still a very sudden and quick shot to the chest i find the funeral very weird because in this movie we're introduced to a new hack a new character the telecom guy who like he basically wants to like give free news to everybody and like information oh it's the first time we've first time we've ever met him yeah. right it's in this in this movie and yet he gets a tombstone right next to Shepard and Wash. And really? I, I, I don't know why. 
Like that's the most confusing thing in the world to me. It's like two members of the queue, the crew, and that guy we called on the phone twice. <laughs> it's, just, it's so fucking bizarre to me. It's we like the deaths are weird. It's so weird. I I Wash's death it upsets me so much personally. Just like I really like Wash, and personally I would have preferred the show ended with him and Zoe still together. And again, like Wash's death, it fills no narrative purpose. It doesn't like complete an arc. But do you know whose death would have completed an arc in a in a last stand to save the crew that he actually does care about? No. It would have been fucking Jane from Janestown. Oh, Jane, yeah. Jane would have made way more sense to die in Serenity because it would have been the conclusion of a narrative arc that had been built up in the show. Does Jane do much in this movie? No, he doesn't. No. He does not. And the least he could have done is died. Personally, I think that is really the case. It would have made, <laughs> it would have really made so much more sense. Like it actually concludes an arc. He would have the kind of like emo- He's also like he's deeply superstitious throughout the show. Deeply superstitious and terrified of anything even related to Reavers. For him to have to a overcome that b fear and b sacrifice himself doing something selfless for the crew that he actually cares about would have actually tied it all together for him as a character. Instead, they kind of gave him like the Jamie Lannister treatment. Yeah, he's just he's just there. He's just kind of an asshole again. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Although besides the death, the actual ending to the movie of uh, River becoming the new pilot because she's the genius. Yeah, that's good. I, I, that's good. I really enjoyed that, actually. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed the actual resolution. Like, there's just things about it that bother me. But it's the resolution itself, I think, works. It's because they did what they could. They obviously needed more build-up to this. They couldn't make a four-hour movie. They couldn't make a new season. So yeah. what we have... is what it's we could get. Ending. Yeah, it's, it's the ending without the build-up, which is is blaming it on Fox. There is actually one other issue I do have with this. Um, and we're gonna, it's going to go right back to Star Wars because all roads lead to Star Wars. Um, I'll, be, I'll be quick with it, but... Basically, in the final scene, you know, Mal basically leads a whole bunch of Reavers to attack the Alliance fleet, right? Yeah. And that shot where he's like in front of all these Reavers, it, it reminded me a lot of the shot in The Rise of Skywalker, where all of the ships are coming to, to help Poe and the Resistance fight against the First Order. Yep. And I was trying to find the reason that I didn't, that like, even though I thought that Mal's plan was very interesting and pretty, pretty clever, like leading the Reavers into this attack against the Alliance... There was a reason that I don't think I enjoyed that particular scene as much as I enjoyed the very visually similar one from The Rise of Skywalker. And the reason for that is that Mal's plan doesn't really tie into the theme of the movie at all. Like the theme of the film, of, of Serenity, right? Is, is basically like people have the right to know. It's all about like, you know, freedom and that, um, what was it? The villain wants to make a world without sin. That's his whole idea. And Mal says, you know, I'm going to make that. By, by telling everyone the truth about the Reavers. That's kind of like the through line of the movie. Right? Yeah. Okay. And it's like, you know, family will pull you through. It's all that kind of that kind of generic stuff. And the final conflict doesn't really have anything to do with that. You know what I mean? Like, it feels a little bit distanced from the theme of the film itself. Um... Like, I think visually it's an interesting plan and everything. But I don't think, I don't feel like the actual conflict and the theme of the movie touch each other at all. I don't think it. Uh, I doesn't. guess. I don't think it. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you you might be alone on this one. I don't know. I I've never. I didn't really think that far ahead. <laughs> like I like I didn't really think that much into it. it, it I guess I think it stuck with me because it was like visually similar to something I've seen. Yeah, but, but also like, like I like the plan. I like yeah. Mal's plan. I think it's really clever. 
I just don't feel like that whole final fight ties into the theme of it at all. And I like for me, if there's anything in a in a movie or a show that I care about, it's the theme. Like that's my number one thing. Yeah, I, I'm willing. To I think over- I think I'm, we can yeah. tell now. Yeah. I'm willing to overlook Moana. a lot of pro. Yeah, I'm listen. I'm willing to look over a lot of problems with the movie if I like the way it handles theme. I'm yeah. willing to overlook stupid narrative decisions like in Star Wars. I'm willing to I'm willing to overlook visual disgustingness like in Star Wars. I'm willing to overlook pure stupidity like in Star Wars if I really like the theme. So that's like my number one priority in a movie. And I just again I think it's just a little thing I noticed because of how much I, I'm mildly obsessed with it. I can't wait until we find a movie that I hate and that is like straight up terrible for obvious reasons, and then you but has a strong theme. theme. Yeah, but has a theme. <laughs> Ooh, man, I can't. I can't wait for it either, man. I love having hot takes. I don't even know what movie I can pick for that. So uh, I hope you can find one. I truly do. Um, but on that note, anything else you guys want to say about Firefly and or Serenity? I think I would have liked this show a lot more if we didn't have to watch the movie. The movie doesn't. The movie is just out of everything we saw this week, including like the movies, or because we watched a lot this week. Serenity is part of this one. I, I want to say this was a, a a rough week for us. Like this is probably this is the largest. Tell me about it. Hold up, hold up. It was rough for you guys. I had COVID. I was chilling. He was he was vibing. I was. This was it was the roughest for me because I hadn't watched Mando all of season two. I hadn't watched any of it. Had to watch Firefly from the start, and had to watch our last show, Cowboy Bebop, from the start. And two movies. You had to watch and two movies. Yeah, Uh, three if you're including the pilot for Firefly. Yeah, it was basically fucking three because the pilot pilot for some reason was an hour and forty like six minutes. Look at it like two movies, two episodes. It doesn't help. (laughs) Yeah, just like uh, what's it called? Resident Evil is just. It's just fourteen episodes. episodes. (laughs) Listen, it's It's just fourteen forty-minute episodes. It's like watching Sherlock, guys. Come on, (laughs) Sherlock is three episodes per season. Yeah, but it's four seasons long. (laughs) My math is technically right, even if my motives are wrong. Bezan, what's Cowboy Bebop about? (laughs) (laughs) Just the hard cut. All right, our, our last show is Cowboy Bebop, which is a 1990s anime. Yes, it is. Following a group of bounty hunters led by Spike, an ex-member of a crime syndicate. Spike's people. And it just follows them throughout their adventures. It, it literally is what's happening this week in the life of these guys on this boat. Yeah, yeah. Tr- truly is, and I I love it for that. I loved it. it was I so I love good. Cowboy Bebop. It's it's so good and so. I, like I you can watch it. You can watch it for like the the fight scenes, the 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 dialogue, the music. The fucking music is incredible. Like this is something I'm gonna watch again at like my own pace. Yeah, to like I, thoroughly enjoy it. I watched this first in high school, like back when I was watching like, a shit ton of fucking anime. Because I've heard the show was so good, and it was, it was so good. And even, even honestly, rewatching it now, it was better. It was even better on a rewatch. There's so many strong points about this show. Ah, like you know, like like you know, you're saying phase on it's it's this crew of characters, and in kind of like um, kind of like in Firefly, the crew is like a really strong component. Yeah, 
I don't know if I'd even say it's the strongest because I think the characters themselves are strong. Like, I the think group, that chemistry is good, but the characters alone are fantastic. Yeah, Cowboy Bebop did a real good job of developing their characters. They each have their own uh, their own story that's going through that's going uh, throughout the whole series. Yeah, and each yeah. one ha- each of them have sometimes their own special specialized episode. Which is why I mean I really liked like the first like four or five episodes because I felt like it was mainly focused on character development. See, I, it's interesting. I I would say, I think that this show has a really interesting structure because I would say that the characters actually don't develop from episode one until probably the last episode for some of them, and even then I would argue that most characters don't develop at all. Okay, I get. I guess character development is the wrong way to characterization put it. is probably yeah. closer to it. But yeah, like that. That's just that's just like semantics really because yeah. I, I get what you mean yeah because like, the characters like we, the first characters we meet is uh, spike and jed they're there throughout the entire show we don't even see Faye for a couple like three episodes yeah and ed who for some reason like i get why ed is like the icon on like hulu or like different streaming sites like she's the icon really? she's not in the show until nine episodes in I didn't know she was the icon. Yeah, I didn't know that either, actually. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's just like the the picture of the whole crew against the no, what's it? The lineup board? Yeah, 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 from the opening. Yeah, yeah. It's either that or sometimes it's just the picture of uh, Ed on the bike or on the motorcycle, whatever it is. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess it's the most like friendly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean it's not like this movie this show is completely adult. The only adult okay Doug, there are there are adult themes in this I, show. i think that the show is adult in that it is a show about adults like in, in anime specifically right so i'm not sure how much you might be able to relate to this tyler but in anime so many shows are like are coming of age shows with extra yeah. steps like that's all true. shonen shows are just coming of age shows with extra steps that's, yeah, that's like all Naruto, the whole fucking genre is yeah this is not that this is a show about people like who they already came of age they already had their arcs and this is who they are now and it's really fucking hard to change. Yeah. Like, like that, they're this not show magically is about, turning into a new person. Yeah. This show is just about being an adult and kind of like the last episode says, carrying that weight. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's really unique to me in anime. I don't I can't really think of a lot of shows that that focus on that so importantly. You know, like I, can't I think about really shows think that are any. for adults, like, you know, like Vinland Saga is definitely more adult oriented in a lot of its comments. It's a great show, which we'll talk about one day. I love are you talking show. just anime specifically or just shows? Just anime specifically. Like, okay. you know, I'm just comparing this to its own medium. Because obviously, you know, in the West, we have a lot more shows that I'd say are similar to that. Mm. But even in the West, I'd say that so many like movies and shows are coming of age. Like that's so popular. Yeah. You know, it's like because it's that yeah, or some kind of like turnaround. Yeah. This is just a show about being an adult in that way, you know, living paycheck to paycheck with your roommates. Yeah, it literally is the premise of the show. One of the best really comments. Good. One of the best comments I had, now I had that I read about the show after I finished it, was uh, somebody was comparing how the arcs and plot of the show. It seems like it's an epilogue to either a movie or something that we never saw. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Because like we've seen, like these characters have already developed to get to this point. We're just getting glimpses of it the more we go on. It's it's a sequel to a show we never had to see. I think and, it's just again, I think it's super interesting. And of course, I would love to see that. I want I would love to see more of these characters, but at the yeah. same time, you don't need it. The show is pretty perfect as it is. The show ends in such a perfect way that like like there are some shows that I feel don't ever need to be touched again. 
And that's coming from someone who loves franchises constantly expanding shit. Like I yeah. love that. But no, there are some things that don't should never be touched again. And that's kind of bebop for me. Like it, it, it from episode one to twenty three, no twenty five. Episode one to no twenty six. Episode one 26. to twenty six yeah. it is damn near perfect. And it did get touched on again. And in a way that, although not bad, I don't think is necessarily even needed. Like you can honestly not watch Knocking on Heaven's Door. And I feel like you get pretty much exactly the same. Because when I first watched it, I watched Knocking on Heaven's Door sometime afterwards. I did not watch it can- like canonically when it takes place. Yeah, if you, you can very the- much watch the show without it. If you watch the movie, I did. I watched the movie in between after episode 22, which is when it's supposed to take place. You get a little bit of a connection to the finale because the movie the movie's villain uh, Vincent has the whole his whole thing is he doesn't he can't different differentiate between his dreams and reality so he goes insane and wants to destroy everything to see what's real or not yeah that's kind of kind of a honestly like not the most interesting motivation definitely not the most interesting on the show but it's serviceable I'd say yeah, yeah. but the point I'm trying to make is that he there's lines near the end of that movie that directly relate to the finale with Spike's character too. Because Vincent and Spike both agreed that they're basically one and the same. Yes, no? I'm sorry, I, tu- I, I, I tuned out. What, what did you say? How, like how Vincent and Spike had that, like the dialogue I pointed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 um, Vincent is kind of like a dark mirror image of Spike, so to speak. He's like Spike if Spike kind of gave up. If Spike didn't have the Bebop and his crew, yeah. he'd be Vincent. I still don't think Vincent is super interesting in that way, but I do understand why he he function he functions as a pretty good foil for Spike. I don't think he's as interesting a foil as Vicious, his, uh, Spike's main antagonist. Who is like the, one of the greatest villains of all fucking time. I find him super interesting. Not necessarily because as a character, but because of what he stands for, which yeah. I guess we'll, we'll touch on. Um, but yeah, I do think I do agree with you that the movie does actually contribute a surprising amount. But at the same time, also like you could not watch. You don't have to. You don't have to. It's just nice because one, you get what I was been saying about the dialogue, and two, it's just another. It's just a movie for Bebop, it's and you get more. Gorgeous. Of it. It's fucking. It looks it, like you can. The budget's high right off the bat. Like it is a gorgeous movie. Yeah. Like some of the the fight he has on the train, like the hand to hand combat. There are there are shows that have ripped off those exact frames. Naruto. In the fight between Neji and Naruto, ripped off that exact frame. Really? Of like the yeah, the hand-to-hand combat. You can see like I think if you look it up, you'll find it. I thought they covered the broom fight. Huh? I thought they covered the fight with the broom. Was it the broom? Maybe it's the broom. I I always forget if it's the broom or the train. But I remember there's a scene from this movie that gets ripped off. Hold on, now I gotta look it up too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, either way, the the broom fight and the train fight, they're both exceptionally well done. I love the broom fight as well. Also, it looks like it's the train fight. Oh, it's the train? Okay. It is the train fight. Um, I mean, this isn't necessarily uncommon. We see this happen a lot. It, it's more of an homage than copying, so I shouldn't really yeah. say it that way. But I think like it's it's so iconic that it was homaged. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, like Into the something as big as Naruto, yeah. Yeah, something that would become one of the biggest anime shows of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it's gorgeous. All the fights are gorgeous. Uh, just the way things are animated, the fluidity is gorgeous. Like and, and this kind of also carries over to the, the show as well. Like fights in the show, gorgeous. Gorgeous. The uh, space fights in the show, gorgeous. The fact that like characters like it, yeah, there's so many good shots. So many like individual sh- like like I always feel like it's weird to say if it's a shot in animation, but I yeah, guess I was just about to say that. It is but, like we're gonna use shots going forward. 
so many gorgeous fucking shots. And I also love how, if you look at it, every character has just such has a posture to them, the way they stand. Like, they always feel alive because of that. So many anime, like, people are just standing straight or slightly hunched or something. Yeah. Every time you see someone, they have just so much expression in how they're sitting, like, or how they're moving. Like, Ed's hands are always almost so, like, liquidy. Ed's, like, they're just Ed's constantly always. moving. Always moving. Or, like, uh, Jet always kind of has like a, like a stiffness to his body, whereas Spike is always kind of like hunched over and flowing around. Like there is a distinct personality to the way that their bodies are drawn, and it's, yeah. it, I just find that to be so fucking cool. Yeah, it's also one of the last traditionally animated shows. Yeah, so era. you're that's what you were saying earlier, right? It was like it's like all like hand drawn. Yeah, it's all it, it was before digital animation and before digital composition, which are two of the biggest things of like the anime industry in terms of how shit's done today yeah um, so this is all fucking hand drawn and that's crazy yeah like even though there's some scenes where there's not a lot ha- moving there are some scenes where everything is just in perfect motion mm. anytime spikes in the in the swordfish yeah the animation just goes up and i think that's why like this still holds up today when you watch it it doesn't feel like dated or anything like that yeah no, like it looks up. it looks old yeah but it, it doesn't take away from the show at all. No, the annoying. writing is so good. The writing is strong. And I feel like uh, in terms of writing, because, you know, a lot of times a show can be written really well and that can be lost in translation. Yeah. The dub of this show is my Amazing. second my second favorite dub of all time. What's your first? Fullmetal Alchemist. Full <laughs> yeah, Fullmetal Alchemist. So, yeah, I love that true. show so nothing much. Nothing can ever be Fullmetal Alchemist. Truly nothing can for me. Um, but the dub of this show is it's, it is one of the best dubs of all time. Yeah. Steve Blum as Spike Spiegel is absolutely perfect. Um, it's just so good. Yeah, like, him, I'm. When I heard, like, I didn't know, I knew who he was, but like when I started the show, I'm like, oh, this sounds familiar. It's like, oh wait, it's fucking Tom from Toonami. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I always, I love the realization I had when I came to that conclusion. It's like, oh shit, and Steve Blum was always like pushing for Toonami as well, like for it coming back back in the day, and now it is back. Which time? Uh God. I know after the first time. Because you, you actually told us about the ending of Toonami. Well, the first, I don't know if it was the first or second time when it ended. But when it ended in 2008, uh, he had a, a sign-off as Tom. And he's saying, uh, this is it. Thanks for everything. Uh, and, like, the animation's going. And, and he... I think the animation was he, like, gets in a shuttle and blasts off somewhere. Or he blows up the planet. I forgot what, what was the actual, like, what was going on. Mm. But the point was, he hits a button, and he's, I think he's sailing off in the ship, and the last thing he says is bang. Which that is, is the last, thing, the last from, word of, the, of Bebop. Yeah, the last word said in Bebop. And uh, this is your final spoiler warning, because now we're going to talk about, I think, the character arcs here a little bit, and why they're so great. Yeah. So this is this, this is get off of the ship now if you haven't seen it. Please, <laughs> please watch watch this show. <laughs> I, like, listen, pause I'll, now and come back. I'm gonna. I feel confident in saying this is all of our number one. So now that you know that, watch yeah. this show. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And now I think we can talk about the characters. Um, I think we can just start with Ed. Ed is a child. Um, Ed, Ed doesn't have a huge amount going on. Is a genius hacker. Genius hacker. I, um, and Ed is unburdened by like the past, unlike everyone else, because Ed's Ed's a child. And yeah. hasn't like lived through the shit that everyone else has. Like he has a past. She has a past. Although like, yeah, it's not her like background is kind of fucked. Yeah, her dad just abandoned her because he forgot. Slightly. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's still like she's not burdened by it in the same way that like Spike is, you know, or or Jed or Faye. 
because she gets by and she's just having fun fucking around with technology. Yeah, like she doesn't she doesn't really even go back to her father at the end. She just goes out on her own with Ian. What? Not, no, no, she's trying to find him. Is she trying to find him? I was yeah. I always kind of I could I can't remember. Yeah, no, she's the like that does hurt her when he immediately dips off the moment she. He, so uh, she is she is trying to find him then, right? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't hundred percent sure. I always I kind of forgot about that hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, like. She's still not necessarily as, as she's not as hurt as everyone else. So that's why, and she's she's also works as like the comic relief of the show. She all the yeah. lighthearted moments stem from Ed and Ayn, who is a, a corgi, a super genius corgi. He doesn't really do that much genius stuff, honestly, but he's adorable, so we all love him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Somehow is like ridiculously smart. I guess I don't fucking know. Uh, he, he's emotionally he smart. It's the emotional intelligence. He yeah. has some moments, but it's not as much as you would. Uh... Yeah. I guess hope from a genius dog. Yeah, especially how they portrayed him like as a yeah. secret weapon. Yeah, not gonna lie, I didn't expect him to stay after like because, um, the dog shows up in like episode two maybe. Yeah, he's the first member of the Bebop to join. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be like a running thing yeah. throughout the whole show. I I'm personally happy it was. I think yeah, I, I didn't mind adorable. it. I just didn't think it would happen. Yeah. Oh, I do love Ein. I love I love Ein, but like I I, I truly do. Oh. I mean, I love both of them. I mean, Ed's just hilarious. And- Ed's also great. I mean, I love the whole cast. Like, yeah. I love this show. It's so good. Um, on that note, we can talk about Faye, who was tragic a woman. Tragic backstory. Tragic. She was a woman who got into an accident. Um, Here's the thing. I just want to point out before you go. Uh, so as I was watching the show, I was, like, going through the episode, like, episode weekies. and be like, oh, let me see if I missed anything. Just because, one, I want to see if I missed anything. Two, I just, like, reading shit about the episodes. And the description for Faye is uh, amnesiac. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, when the hell is she amnesiac? And that doesn't come up until, like, halfway through the season. No, it doesn't. It's actually implied a little early on, because somebody in the casino episode where she comes in, uh, the guy's like, oh, you're Faye Valentine. You look really good for a 70-year-old. Yeah, they mention her age. Yeah. Oh, I, see, I looked over that part. Yeah, so I know it, it implies her arc, but it doesn't necessarily imply she's amnesiac. But it, it, I just like that that little thing was set up so early on. Yeah, I just find it weird that they the fucking wiki makes it a point <laughs> it's, when it's, it's like, halfway through the show that you're doing that. <laughs> hey, y'all want a spoiler? Yeah, but basically, um, yeah, she she got into like a horrible accident with her parents. Her parents die. She's like cryogenically frozen. Some shit goes down. Everybody forgets about her. And then, like fifty something years later, she's taken out, and, and here yeah. she is now. So much debt. So much debt. So much debt. I I kind of like I, the debt. Actually, I think functions pretty interestingly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think it's it's a it's hilarious, right? But good also, old like, American healthcare. <laughs> see, like, no, no. Here's the thing, right? So, like, she gambles away all of her money, right? And like yeah. part of your brain might be like, well, shouldn't she put that money towards her debt? But it's like she owes so millions much money. Of it was millions like, it was like of Wulong. 300 million or something like that. I think like, even more than that, because then she ends up getting the debt of this guy who fakes his own death and puts her as the inheritor of his will. Oh, yeah. Because his will is all debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like I think she, she owes like an astronomical amount that no human being could realistically. Yeah, so pay. like so like that ten thousand dollars or however much she gambles away <laughs> yeah. is like Pennies. It's a drop. In, it's like fuck it. You might as well see if you just bet it all and either have enough to pay it off or don't. Like, like you might as well see if you win big here. It's worth yeah, it. There's nothing. There's no reason not to. Because there's no possible way you're ever going to pay this off. I I mean I, I find that to be just super super interesting. 
I mean, fate, it, they're all interesting. They're all interesting. And I, they all have a really interesting relationship with the past. So like here, phase is that she literally doesn't know it. And she spends a good chunk of the show trying to, to learn as much about her past as she can until she starts to piece it all together and figure out who she was before the accident. Yeah. And again, we'll, we'll touch on that, I think, a little more. Because that actually, I feel, is, is also kind of... Yeah, there, there is one episode I want to talk about, but we can talk about it later. Yeah, we've got to hit characters and then episodes because this show is dense and fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll talk about Jet now. Jet is an ex-cop who was, we learn, was betrayed by his partner in an event which cost him his arm. Uh, he would then retire from the force and become a bounty hunter. Yeah. Um, that's that's Jet's backstory. We don't, we're not shown this for a very, till very late on. Like the first thing we learn about Jet's backstory is that he had this old girlfriend. And this is a great episode. I love this episode. Mm. Where he has a girlfriend. He had a girlfriend who had left him. And um, he kind of always was kind of looking back at that time and like kind of he waited for her and he basically said if this doesn't if you don't come back until this stopwatch breaks then yeah. I'll move on and he basically runs into her years later and she's with this guy who has a bounty on his name so now he's kind of like put into this really great piece of conflict where he kind of he needs to take this guy in for the bounty but that doesn't mean he necessarily wants to hurt her yeah yep. and at one point she's like threatening to shoot him to protect the boyfriend he just keeps walking forward and she just shoots towards him, but she can't bring herself to hit him. Such a great moment. Yeah. Side note, it's his ship. The Bebop is Jet's ship. Yeah, but that's right. That's a good point. The Bebop is Jet's ship. Jet is the founder of the Bebop. He's the cook. His signature meal, bell peppers and beef, is what with opens no the first episode. Of, with no beef <laughs> is what opens the first episode of the show. Um, And yeah, in, in a later episode, he gets called by his old partner, who basically says... um. I need we you know the guy who cut your arm off is leading a prison break, and I need your help to uh, to get this fixed up. Yeah. So he brings the guy, he brings Jet there. Um, his partner, you have a scene where you see the partner put like two bullets into the gun and then spin it like to to load it up. He has like an old fashioned revolver. He's an old fashioned guy, just like Jet. Jet's also very old fashioned. And uh, he goes. They find the guy. The guy's about to kill Jet, and his partner puts two bullets in the guy's head. Right, kills him. And then. Jet's saying, you know, the guy, right before the guy died, he told him that his partner was a reason that he lost his arm, that his partner set him up, and that that's the reason that Jet pretty much lost everything, right? Yep. So Jet, knowing about this, he sees his partner kind of pointing the gun to him, and he takes the shot at him first, and he kills his partner. Uh, only to see, he talks to him, and he, like, when he, um, he kind of holds his partner as he dies, he realizes the partner didn't have any bullets to kill him with. So the partner pretty much just set himself up to die here, to just end all of it of what happened. Yep. Another, just another great episode. <laughs> this show is nothing but great episodes. Yeah. It's I like, truly can't it's think so of hard to pick a favorite one, even because they all feel so good. I can't, I like, there's no bad ones. I have um, one that sticks out for me. I also have one that sticks out for me. I think, not, I think they're I, the last two episodes, I, they don't count. Not counting yeah. the finale. Fina- not not counting the finale. Finale's yeah. a gem. Um, I also, uh, final character, the protagonist, Spike Spiegel. Good old Spike man with ties to the syndicate and yep. uh who fell in love with the wrong woman yep. and it led to him almost dying uh before she abandoned him in order to not kill him sending his life spiraling down the drain him and vicious like work together right yeah him, him and vicious work together julia was vicious's girl yeah yeah so you know spike done fucked up man. spike spike pissed off the wrong man if he literally faked his death <laughs> Because he fell in love with the wrong woman. Yeah. 
And yeah, but the thing is, like, you know, like we said, everyone has a relationship to the past. Jet is kind of always, he's always kind of like connected to it and that he always just talked to his old contacts. It's, it's almost like he misses it in a way. Uh, whereas Spike cannot say no to the past for his fucking life. Yeah. Anytime the past comes knocking, he, he abandons the bebop and he goes out to face it. He is completely incapable of saying no to it. That's like his defining character trait if I could pick just one. Because um, like there's several episodes where his past comes knocking. Where first the first one is is one of the episodes that stands out to me as probably my favorite, not including the finale, is episode five, and it's the first time we meet Vicious. Yep. And effectively, Vicious sets the situation up for Spike to come out and fight him, and they have an insanely good fight in this abandoned church that ends almost in a similar way to how uh, Spike faked his death, where he fell out of the. Well, no, he didn't really fake his death there. That was where he got the shit knocked out of him and he met Julia in the yeah. flashback. But mm. it, it kind of, it, 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 very similar to that, where he falls out of the church window. And you see the glass falling around him and it keeps like cutting to his past with like, yep. these, these, you think they're roses falling around him, but they're actually the letter that he left for Julia that she's tearing up over the windowsill. And it's such a great moment, such a great episode. And arguably my favorite, not out of the finale. Yeah. What are your picks? I'm curious for you and Tyler that are not of the finale. That's your favorites. Mine is, might be a weird one. It's the chess one. Really? I like that because it shows like it, that, that's not a big uh, overarching plot one. You don't get much. Uh, you don't get much <laughs> of the overarching story from the episode. Mm. What I like about it is it shows off a lot of every character. You get Ed. You get Ed uh, fucking around playing chess with the. I guess he's considered a terrorist, but when you find out he's just an old man whose plan, uh, he forgot his own plan because he just was an old man at this point. He was pissed off years ago and he had this big plan, but he got too old. He forgot it. Now he's just senile and playing chess online. So Ed's playing chess with this old man, um, and Jet and Spike are trying to find him because they think he's his mastermind i just like the whole dynamic of ed playing chess and playing with this guy and he dies at the end just of old age ed doesn't know that ed just is sad because he lost the game yeah that's a really good one i actually i didn't i hadn't thought about that one i feel like any episode could be someone's favorite yeah yeah i I think i I have two here so i really liked uh piero lefou just because Piero felt like such a great character. He's terrifying. He was like, he was literally like the Joker, but super fucking strong. Yeah. Like he could break your head in half. Yeah. And I just thought the music and like the setting in that show, in that episode was just so good. Like the whole, like having that, that last fight in the abandoned carnival. Mm. It was, I think it was just perfect. I agree. I, I actually looked up like the director afterwards. Cause I like from how it felt to me, I thought it was Satoshi Khan, the guy who did Perfect Blue. Yeah, because so it much of it. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. It's not him. No, it, it it turned out not to be. But it really, to me at least, it felt like it. There was a lot of this, like the visuals of it felt very like something he would have done. You know, like we kind of things that we've seen in either that movie or in Paprika, and even kind of like this idea, like this 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 almost like this weird horror of this clown. It just felt like something I would see him do like from like paranoia agent or something like that aesthetic yeah um it's, I could it's see that. really good it's such also, a great episode the name i mean the translated name got for a clown is just a 
great name. That's a great. Someone use that name for something because that name's fucking gold. Uh, and then Hazel, what is, uh, yeah, the, the second one that I really liked was um, "Speak Like a Child," what which is the um, where Faye gets the uh, finds the tape. Oh yeah, right. I I think I liked it a lot because like the, the first half you just have like this very very lightheartedness of like the Bebop crew. It's just them being them, and then at the end when Faye finally gets to play that tape. She just can't even recognize that it's her, and just like just her like bra- having that breakdown at the end is just like man, that hurts. That's fu- it, it hurts because like that's when it hits you that she's legitimately fifty something years in the future and can't remember anything about her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great tragedy. Oh, yeah. it's so good. All the characters are ending arcs are amazing. Yeah, it's interesting because like I don't even know if you can call them an arc. Like, cause we how we said they they play out, but yep. whatever the hell it is, it's fucking good. Yeah, so I think I think you were wanting to share. I'm assuming the opening uh, tank. Of course. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't seem to get it to work. Uh, it goes something like. Genesis, oh, I got it! Genesis, I got it! I got Genesis. it! I got it! Oh. All right, but yeah, the endings. You want to just go by what characters, or you want to just go by the actual two last episodes? I think we can. Well, no, no, because we can't do the last. No, 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 because Ed doesn't end in the last two. That's well, we kind of talked about Ed's already. Eventually, yeah. Ed leaves the Bebop to go find his father. Her father. Yeah, he just she just draws uh, her face on the Bebop saying bye bye. And it's such that... a sad moment too. Yeah. I actually do want to talk about that moment because at, at that point, Faye also uh, left the crew temporarily to try and understand her past more. Yeah, uh, Tyler, do you have the? Yeah, I'm, I'm keep going. Okay, so I love this one scene in in this. Um, in this episode where basically they it, it's just jet and spike and they're just scarfing these eggs down and they made enough eggs for all five members of the crew for, for Faye, spike jet ed and ian i'm they made enough eggs yeah. for everybody and they're just like scarfing these eggs down just uh-huh. trying, yeah. is it like they're basically trying to act as if nothing's happening yeah, and there's like this, this like this, like the manic feverishness to this. Like they're just shoving these f's down their mouth, these eggs down their mouth, as it to try and like ignore the fact that they do miss their crewmates and their crew isn't there. And I, I think that moment is kind of like, it kind of encapsulates a lot of the show for me, where so much of it is just about moving forward. Like in every episode, they meet these really unique characters. Like we haven't even talked about that. Every episode, they meet completely unique people. Like totally interesting characters with like interesting backstories, Andy. really cool designs. Andy, Andy the cowboy, um, the trucker queen. I love the trucker queen. That's one that really stands out to me. Yeah. And every episode, most of those characters they meet, they never meet again. Like yep. ships and ships in the night, you know. And I think that's so much of the show is like they're just moving on constantly. People come, people go, but in this case, the people who are leaving are people they really cared about, and they're not quite sure how to handle that except to ignore it. I just think that's super interesting to me. Yeah. Um, Tyler, any luck? So, oh no, I'll save it for the end. Oh, we'll save it for the very end. That's fucking perfect. Okay. Yeah. In that case, um, we can talk about the actual ending of the show. Yeah. Oh. Well, so after so I'm nine, after Ed leaves of Ein and they go off to basically find her dad and more or less her own path. Yeah. We are left with just Faye, Jet, and Spike. Well, Faye actually left at this point as well, temporarily, to find her past. But the answers weren't really enough for her. 
Oh god, yeah. But I mean, like, she still shows up in the last two. She shows up. She shows up halfway through the episode. Yeah. So yeah. So okay. So you want to focus on Jet, Jet, and Spike. Um, I'm trying to avoid this. You, you got anything for this phase on Chris? Phase on? I, I don't know what you're trying to say, Tom. I'm just trying to figure out a way to actually articulate the whole ending. Uh, I guess he's I'll trying give to give it a shot. Yeah. He's not trying to reconnect with his past. He just kind of... His past comes calling again. Yes. Like, once again, Jet's... Uh, not Jet. Uh, Spike's past comes calling again. And as always, he cannot say no to it. Yep. This time, it is literally Julia. Yep. Uh, the woman he loved. And uh, he runs... He meets with her, and she's telling him to run away from it. Because Vicious, Vicious, uh, who was originally just a member of the syndicate, is now in control of what seems to be the largest criminal organization in the galaxy. Yep. Because, like, the police have said multiple times they can't handle him, right? They can't handle the syndicate. And, like, he's after Spike for blood. He wants to kill Spike at the end to um, get vengeance for everything that's happened. And throughout the episode, Julia is like, you know, run away with me. Just just get away from it all. And even Yeah, Julia, Julia basically comes to him and is like, I'm supposed to kill you. Yeah. But let's run away together. Yeah. Like, I love it because, like, even with Julia now, like, literally hand in hand, right, he still can't turn away from his past. No. Because, like, so much of the show, it, it's framed in a way that you think that it's about Julia. He can't turn away from, from everything with Julia. But, but he it's just can't not. turn away from his past in general. It's just not who he is. He, it's not the kind of person he is. He can't do it. And even when he has Julia, he can't turn away from it. And it causes um, an old friend of his from the syndicate to die. And it also eventually causes Julia to get caught in the brawl and get killed. Yeah. You know, and even after Julia's dead, you know, he has nothing truly tying him to the syndicate anymore. He just has his fight with Vicious. He goes back. He goes first, he goes to the Bebop and he, he talks with Jet. And Jet already knows exactly what's going down. So Jet is having his last meal. Bell peppers with beef without the beef, just like yeah. the show opens. Just <laughs> like the sh- perfectly symmetrical. It's like things are exactly how they start. The perfect callback. And they're just talking and they're just laughing and they're just having what they both know to be one last good time together. And then he starts heading out and then Faye is there and Faye's telling him not to run away. And Faye's saying that you can't run away. And she points a gun at him saying she'll shoot him if he tries to go. And he gives a line that I, I always fucking love. He's like, I have two, my eyes are of two different colors. One of them was replaced uh, by a cybernetic. My right eye sees the past and my left eye sees the present. So I always, I'm always looking at both. Right. And I always fucking love that line. Like I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it always has it's something along that lines. That, that sequence of events always stuck. Yeah. It, it pans from one eye to the other, and you see this slight change in color while he's saying this. And, and it's just literally away. his character. It's just him in hundred percent. He can't take his eye off the past, and he's he's just walking away. And face starts shooting like upwards. He doesn't even flinch. He does like there's no, you would expect like the slow down after the first shot. Yeah. Nothing. Just keeps walking. He goes to his ship. And he basically leads a one-man assault on Vicious's tower, and he's he's climbing up this tower, steps, steps, steps. He's he's blasting his way through, gunning down as many gangsters as he can, throwing grenades left and right. Um, he finds an old friend within the syndicate who helps him like lead the assault. His friend gets killed. He gets a shot in the arm, and he ends up face to face with Vicious. And he has one of the best fight. Yeah, probably the, the best series. fight. Yeah, one of my favorite fights in anime. Where in the end of it, you know, like I like I love the scene right at the end of the fight where they basically each have each other's weapon. Vicious has Spike's pistol and Spike has Vicious's gun. Wait, no, I said the back. Nope. <laughs> Spike has Vicious's sword. Spike has Vicious's sword. Yeah. I'm sorry. They each have each other's weapon and they toss it to each other as they charge at each other for the last hit. And they take each other out. 
uh, Spike gets vicious and Spike just gets Spike. And Spike is kind of like climbing down the stairs as he sees all of the syndicate members coming up to him. And he just like points out his finger and like a finger gun and says, bang. Bang. Yeah. And falls to the floor. And that's also, I mean, the, also just the flashback when they go back to like Julia's death where she was like, it was all a dream. Oh, yeah. And then he goes, and then it cuts back to him in the present. I was like, yeah, a bad dream. <sighs> Again, it's so fantastic. So absolutely fantastic, this show. I mean, like, I even love, like, like we said, like, we, we were talking, we didn't really talk much about Vicious, but Faison, like, you said Vicious is great. Vicious is great. Yeah. Like, Vicious isn't, isn't, like, a character with, like, super complex motivations or anything, but he's literally representative of every fuck up that Spike has ever made in his life yep. that led him to this point. He is Spike's past yep. in every shape and form, and Spike cannot turn away from him, no matter what he does. Even when they have each other's weapon and they're looking each other in the eye, there's something about it that they just they they can't stop this. Yeah, yes. like he basically had no character development, like actual development yeah. throughout the whole show. Nothing, but nothing. But he's so like good. the more and more they reveal his backstory, it's just like oh. I I always love the sh- like the the frame of um of him and Spike back to back when they were parts of the syndicate. Yeah, like they were clearly great friends yep. who would fight against these other gangs together before Spike slept with his girl. Yeah, I mean, and imagine your best friend shit. sleeping with your girl. Like, I'd, yeah, I'd kind of be, like, vicious, too. Like, you know what? I'm gonna, I might understandable. Well the criminal organization at that point. <laughs> um, it's just so fantastic. And I love how it, it, then, like, the ending takes a long time. You see Spike dead, and it just starts panning up over the skyline into space, over the stars, and the song starts playing, and it just keeps panning up for the whole song. And well, after, is Spike actually dead? Yeah, that's the one weird thing about the ending is that the creator <laughs> said it's ambiguous. I disagree. Yeah, no, I, I disagree too. I just wanted to bring it up because I knew you hated it. <laughs> I don't like that that concept. I don't think it works pretty. I don't think it works from a character point. And I don't think it even works from how he showed, how things are shown. The only, I don't think that ever works in general. Yeah. That it could be considered ambiguous is that during Spike's last meal of Jet, he tells a story of a cat that lived forever until he met... Uh, a female companion that he fell in love with and then a female cat dies and then years later the male cat dies well, one... i think he, he dies in the moment oh whatever he died they both die is the point so he tells that story it's obviously a parallel to him and everyone and at that point you're like oh you're going off to die and then spike says i don't like how that story ends that's the only line in the whole episode yeah. that has some like semblance of ambiguous even I still, though I still act- feel like that's more like Spike just saying Spike shit. It is still his story. That's it's just him being him. I'm just trying to tie into what the creator might have been going for. That's the only line. Yeah, that- like that, that's probably the only thing I didn't like about this show. The creator's thing? Yeah. Hey, my, I always say um, once a piece of art's out there, that's it. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you have like in Harry Potter, you have Hermione, like, um, jk rowling on top of being just an overall piece of shit she's often being like and then the wizards took shits and used their their their, their sticks to wave them away it's like yeah. i'm just not going to consider that canon because those books are done so I, yeah, I don't really basically. care what you as the creator have to say you have no power here and that's my same opinion here the way i see it is that it is very final and it's it's a there's a finality to it that matters a lot yeah and yeah I, and i, think I just even, choose I, to see yeah. it as he died exactly yeah, i refuse to believe the open interpretation part because that would it wouldn't ruin my experience. I just wouldn't like it. I think it would hurt my experience a bit, especially because, um, you know, as after it ends the panning at the very end, it goes to at the, at the end of every episode. There's always a little, a little tagline. See you, space cowboy. 
yeah. CU Space Samurai, uh, do you have a comrade, stuff like that. Like little things. Mostly it's, it's CU Space Cowboy. But in this one, at the very end, after everything pans up, it just says you're going to carry that weight. Yeah. And I don't think like, it's crazy how a frame of animation that is not even animation is literally just text on a black screen. Could draw that one. So, yeah. Like, I can't believe something could like, stay with me this much. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, there are a few things I've seen in, in any that in any I like medium. legitimately remember. It that, sticks with like me. that left a like imprint in my memory. There's, yeah, it, it has left a lasting impression. I can never shake it. Same thing could be said for uh, Ed's last episode. Her tagline is uh, see you, space cowgirl, somewhere, somewhere, yeah. somewhere. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, I, I just I love the taglines. And now Tyler, I think you want. Also, wait, we didn't mention that. I mean, you're gonna carry that. We didn't mention how much of the show. Uh, I mean, we mentioned that the soundtrack is amazing, but the episode titles and a lot of the references in the show are. All- oh, there's like so many pop culture references. Yeah, and yeah. that was just shit ton of music references. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and- you're gonna carry that way as a Beatles reference. Oh shit! Yeah. I never pieced that together. I mean, we also forgot about the whole alien episode. <laughs> the alien episode's a gem, an absolute yeah. gem. Again, every episode of the show can be someone's favorite. There's so much to unpack that, like, the amount of time we've talked about it, I feel like we didn't even cover like 50%. Yeah. We didn't I mean, do the show enough justice. If you've decided to listen to the spoilers, watch it anyway. Oh, watch yeah. Watch it anyway. It's so good. So I mean, again, the music. Uh, there's the episode title is, is one episode just called Bohemian Rhapsody. Like we all know that song. There's mm-hmm. an episode that is named after an Aerosmith album. Uh, a band this year decided to name one of the songs Asteroid Blues, which is the pilot. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if that actually is what they were going for because the song is instrumental, even mm-hmm. though the song does sound like it could be from Bebop. I, I actually have one last thing I wanted to say because I kind of forgot about this. Uh, the show's actually kind of crazy progressive for being a show in yeah. the 90s from oh, Japan. Yeah. Like, a lot Dude, there of was people that gay of color everywhere. There was... What? It wasn't a full oh, gay yeah, scene? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I kind of yeah, forgot yeah. about that because I watched that one, like, earlier. Because I've, I've been binging this one slowest. So I yeah. kind of forgot some of the earliest episodes. I was thinking specifically, there's an actual intersex character, Greer. Or Gren, I mean. Gren. Yeah. Yeah, Gren. Yeah. And Gren's fucking awesome. Gren has a defense. He's like is fully developed and realized and interesting in every single aspect. Like this character show, I think it goes to a, a, a lot of lengths actually to be as progressive. And and the writer, I'm not the writer, the showrunner would later do a show called Carol and Tuesday that would definitely continue that, that trend. A lot of people of color, a lot of, um, uh, there's a, I think it's a trans character or maybe an intersex character. I can't, can't remember right now. Um, plays a major role in the plot. Like he, he really goes out of his way to do this, which I find really interesting, yeah. especially from 1998. Yeah, like, blows my mind. But yeah, Tyler, I think you want to share something with class. And yeah, and this is just the opening song. Oh, now we can't. Okay. Yeah, Tyler. Just so good. It's too low. It's a little too low now. I like to hear us. Watch us not even record. <laughs> If we sound like we're listening to nothing, I just want to blow this scene. Get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. It's so good. The opening is an absolute classic. If I could play that whole thing, I would. It, I mean, it's worth yeah. it. I, I love that that opening. It's And I love the opening animation as well. It's so yeah. like one part noir, one part James Bond, one part space western, one part classic. It's just, it's so good. Yeah. And that jazz is kick fucking ass 
Yeah. All right. Uh, any last thoughts on Cowboy Bebop? Too anything, people. anything we haven't mentioned that you guys really want to bring up? I think, I think we've done as much as we can, honestly. I think we, uh, yeah, we already said the favorite episodes and all that. I mean, favorite character, I'm guess everyone's going to say Spike. I love Spike. Yeah. I like Spike a lot. Yeah. Vicious is up there too, I think. On that note, do you guys want to do our rankings? I have a feeling yeah. they're going to be pretty. Yeah. What's, what's your guys' number three? Firefly. Firefly. Okay, we have the same rankings. <laughs> yeah. What's your guys' number two? Mando. Mando. <laughs> We're not even going to do one. a joke this time. Let's go to number one, guys. I'm curious. I'm really Cowboy curious. Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. The thing is, like, all three of these shows are really good. Yeah. Right? There's no bad shows this week. I just felt like Cowboy Bebop was, like, it, it, it was past the, like, the good into, like, the great. Master, yeah. Cowboy Bebop is in a class all its own. It is master. It's a master class of animation and kind of just a master class show. Yeah, a, a true, like a real great, like an all-time favorite. Yeah, like Even there's a reason like anime, why this is a classic. If you don't like anime, doesn't matter. This is worth. This is always worth watching. It, it's, it's very well like, deserved of its status. I mean, while watching it, like I follow people that I follow people on Instagram. Just like okay, whatever. Uh, so one of the people I follow on Instagram, I don't personally know him. I just know him from Twitter, and like we just talk about music and stuff. And uh, over, I remember as I was watching, like, huh. Why does character look? Familiar? Why does Spike look familiar? And then I realized, like, oh shit, he was Spike for Halloween. <laughs> it's a damn gem, honestly. Spike for Halloween, great costume idea. Yeah, he and his girlfriend with Spike and Fa. Great choice. Should uh, uh, what, what's your guys' reasoning behind Mando at two instead of Firefly? I think Serenity hurts Firefly too much. Serenity yeah. does hurt Firefly, but it's really hot. Like, it's really hot. It was really hard for me to put Mando and Firefly because I enjoyed. It the majority of Firefly more than Mando, but at its best, Mando is better. And it, it I kind of judged it of what it was going to be for yeah. Mando, because I know what it's, I know what it's leading up to, and it should be at the same level of great mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I, I think Firefly just having one season really, really ruined the rankings Fox, for me. Fuck them. Yeah, and I'm I'm also just a sucker for Star Wars. I I I I love Star Wars. Like I mean, I feel like that should say something. Me, who's a Star Wars crack addict, still has put Cowboy Bebop at number one. Yeah, that's how good that show is. Like just reiterating. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> True. Truly. Again, great week. Great shows. Lots of binge. Yeah. And that is the binge. So, yeah. Thank, thank you guys. guys for listening. Thank you guys, Cowboy. I was gonna say it. <laughs> I did. I was waiting. We're not even done yet. You guys yeah, could have waited till the end. Yet. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube. Are we on YouTube? Yeah, we're on YouTube. Um, Amazon, Stitcher, Amazon, whatever, Stitcher. Whatever uh, uh, and also, if you guys want a, a particular episode for us to cover, um, we have almost no way to interact with you. Either tweet, at, either talk to Tyler or leave it in a comment at the at the Apple reviews and the. The Apple Apple Place. Apple yeah, store. I either you know message at Tyler Zucker on Twitter, or leave us a review, or just yeah. leave us a review in general. Yeah, that's also great. You know what? I love that idea, Faison. Leave us yeah. a review. Leave us some stars. <laughs> we would love to get any feedback we possibly can. Um, please yeah. do. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. You say it. You say it, Tyler. I'm giving it to you. It's too late. No. Wait, did you stop it? No, I didn't stop it, but it's almost too late. No, 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 we're going to keep it. See, See you, Space Cowboy.